If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On this episode, I'm joined by two legends. I've had one of them in the studio before, the great Bernard Jackman. Former teammate of mine, though, and a good friend. It's the great Stuart Hogg. Enjoy. This is the Big Jim Show. Is wearing his heels, marching around the town to get some thrills. But it's time to go in now, and he's big and red. A shot of black coffee, now he's super dead. He gets loud. I'm a big dick owls. I showed him up some whiskey, and he shoots like a mouse. Great to have you in the studio, the great Thanks, Bernard Jackman, and yeah, you've done a couple of things together. But Hoggy, this is your first time, mate. You've come dressed to the nines. I'm trying, mate. I'm trying. Thank we're, you. We're in the city, aren't we? So <laughs> oh, I, thought, I thought I'd go a bit, go a bit edgy. Um, you know, can't beat a plain white tee, can you? Yeah, I get. Apart from when you can't see anything else, it looks like I'm naked. But oh, you're looking good. Thanks. You're looking good. Got the voice note last night. We call each other Ken. He's oh. like, where are you? Half eight it was. I was like, I'm in bed, big fella. Big day tomorrow. We're in the studio. We're in. We're excited for this. Yeah. I'm ready. You fresh? I'm fresh, mate. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, you're looking good though, Hoggy. I'm I, trying, I, I, Bernard, you are as well. But, like, I know it's been a crazy few weeks and transition and all these things. But, yeah. mate, you're looking in good fettle today. Yeah, I'm there. Uh, been a been a weird old time since retirement, hasn't it? I think I've only ever known rugby, and then to come out of it, uh, a bit strange old experience. But I'm enjoying it. I'm mm. enjoying it. I'm starting to find my feet with all this kind of work, so it's good fun. Yeah, you're doing well at it as well, mm. like the TNT stuff. And yeah, I know, that. I know, it's a big shift. Like Bernard <clears throat> will know, and it's not an easy path to migrate through, especially now where we know in the mainstream media there's a lot of things that they need to a checklist that they need to go through to make sure they've got their diversity quotas in place they've got the best people in place and hoggy i'd put you in there as one of the best in the business and you've only just come out of the game thank you jim i appreciate that it's um it's a lot tougher than what i thought it was going to be like you, you had done kind of media work when you were still playing and because you'd sat in the meetings and all that all week you knew exactly what you were talking about because you're talking about your team and then, you know, when I first came out of rugby and started getting all the notes and all the stats and stuff, I was, like, trying to pick out absolutely everything. But in reality, you used, like, two or three stats, if that. So I started looking at all the running orders and then, you know, calls with the producers and stuff during the week, and you start to find your feet and you learn more and more. Um, but I love it. I absolutely love it. Like, as I say, still fresh out the game. I still feel like I've got a huge amount of knowledge um, that hopefully it's coming across in the in the right ways, so... It's tough, but enjoyable. And yeah. I, like like everything, you know, I, I like to be challenged and, and challenge myself. So I want to be the best that I can be in, in broadcasting. So 
I've got a lot of work to do, but mm-hmm. I like I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, Bernard, with, with that space, and I've spoken about this before. I'm like the hype man, right? Yeah. No detail, just completely superficial. But I love that space that I operate in. Okay, um, the pitch side stuff that I've done, the podcast where you don't have to go into huge analytical detail and this isn't because I don't like working hard it's got nothing to do with that but also the position that I played and we spoke about this when we did our show but even watching your career now and I'll go back before we can talk about that like for the weekend for example I tweeted or xed that I think Italy are getting better taking the ball to the line they're physical in the collisions and the contact that's as far as my analysis goes then I see Brian O'Driscoll and he's doing it on his Instagram stories, one of the greatest to have done it. And he's actually breaking down the running lines and Paolo Garbisi's like body position, shoulder positions, and the manipulations of defences and attack, which the game needs, right? Bernard, that's you, mate. That's what you're doing. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, but uh, so, like, just on Italy. So, uh, Italy's skills coach uh, worked with uh, me in Grenoble and Mike Prendergast, and then he went to. Uh, uh, France, so he worked in France, um, and then he was at Racing for the last couple of years. And I met him for a coffee on Sunday morning, and he he's obviously worked with Fiku. He's worked with all those you know um, top end French players, and he actually said the Italians, the Italian backs, and the Italians in terms of the basics of how to to fix people, to deliver a pass late, you know, all that shape, all the technical bits about attacking. They're actually as good, if not better, than some of the French players, mm. but obviously they don't really have belief that they can win against an Ireland or whatever. Now, they may get a couple of wins uh, in this competition um, and also probably don't have any balance to their play. But uh, like, you're right, Brian. Like, you can see it, but obviously the thing is when they lose, whatever, 36-0, everyone just jumps on you and goes, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But the reality is, if that's what they're doing, you've got to say it. And I'm lucky enough, like, um, I'm still quite close to people. And that's why I sent Hoggy a, a, a clip this morning from the, um, the Scotland game, the scrum that, uh, Beal Barry scored off uh, so like I was like Jesus maybe surely Scotland should have had an extra man over that side and then I sent it to some some coaches and sent it to some players and like I loved that bit just actually kind of working out well like how many different things went wrong in that play for for France to win a game or for Scotland to lose a match and, um, but I'd be, I, I, I totally um, know what Hoggy's saying like you do get bombarded with stuff yeah but the devil is in the detail of rugby as we know and Bernard, mate, you keep saying lucky. I don't think it is that. I think you've made your own look and you've carved out this kind of... It's not, not even niche. I think there's a void in rugby for that detail and the analysis stuff. And obviously you're doing the Beyond 80 stuff mm. for Rugby Pass. That's off the back of a lot of the World Cup stuff. But you were sending me stuff that I haven't even picked. This is how much Bernard loves rugby, right? He's got like the CCTV <laughs> from the in-stadium from the World Cup. He's like, Jim, have you seen this? I was like, no, of course I haven't, but it was, was that a coach's yeah. camera? Um, just explain what, what it was. It was. For, let me think if I can remember. Mm. So it was South Africa versus France in that yeah. famous quarter-final match and it was something off a line. Yeah, so basically, I like, so basically, um, so that, our, South Africa taught France are big and heavy we want to play quick, we want to move them around. So if they had this idea, and actually I spoke to Nina Barr about it, because not many people picked up on it, so I had it on my phone. So I did something with Jack Nina Barr a couple of weeks ago, and I said, I want to ask you about this, whatever, because surely this didn't happen by chance. So effectively, line go, the ball goes into touch, but doesn't go into the stand. So the South African winger, Aronsa, gets it and starts running back towards his, his own goal line. And that draws up the French defenders because they're trying to defend a, a quick throw. But he's no intention of throwing a quick. So when they come up 25 metres past where the line-out is, he just fires it back to his hooker. 
and they basically take a tempo line out yeah. um, and, and the next thing they're in attack they didn't score a try off it right? but they did it twice in the game but because the French defenders who chased higher up can't get back and uh, I was talking to Nina Bar I said I, said, I love is, is this did, did you actually plan this and he said actually we were going to do it against New Zealand a year and a half before that in the rugby championship and they practiced on they presented the players on a Monday practiced on a Tuesday practiced on Thursday and then Friday morning at breakfast Razzie says no let's mm. keep that for for the World Cup so they sat on it for whatever a year and a half a year and a half and there was no guarantee they were going to play France mm. in a in a, uh, in a in a quarterfinal obviously and they could play in Ireland and probably wouldn't have done it against Ireland as, as likelihood and then they didn't again it didn't win them the game right but they're unbelievably creative and I suppose I get I get fun out of trying to see things that people are trying to be creative in and, and try and work out why they're doing it or, or how they're doing it mm. it's so cool and I tweeted after the game and we'll probably get into the Scotland-France game before anyone switches off and bids like, are they actually going to talk about it? I know you've <laughs> probably spoken about it on TalkSport. I've done it on the podcast. I did last night. But I think, yeah, exactly. So we've done it in different forums, but this is coming out this week, so a few days after the match. And with the amount of detail that you're talking about there that goes in off the back of all the stuff that I mentioned with Brian O'Driscoll and the devil is in the detail of rugby, there are these small intricacies that people don't understand but they probably know what we're talking about, right? Because that is what rugby is. It's such a detailed game. And it goes back to me being the hype man and never giving that detailed opinion. But it goes back to me putting a tweet out at the weekend, which <laughs> it read out like I was actually saying that Scotland should have killed the game off. I wasn't. I put it in quote marks, which was make, making me, which effectively I was saying, this is what other people are saying. So I listened to a podcast after, it's great, other people are doing stuff. I think it was the BBC one. They were like, Scotland should have killed the game off. We shouldn't even be talking about this. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, it's not as easy as that. It's not as easy as just killing the game off. This is my opinion, Hoggy. I've not listened to what you might have said we should have killed the game off. But you're talking about France, one of the best teams in the world. It's not as simple as killing the game off. It's like, there's so many intricacies that go into it. So, without me waffling through when you look at the game what what have you said what have you said on TalkSport what have you said to your mates and stuff should we have killed off the game or was it positive that we got ourselves into a position to have had the right call being made or the wrong call Bernard a, a bit of everything in all honesty I think there was opportunities in that game um, for me just before half time was, was a killer the scrum yeah. choice not taking the three well, it's not necessarily taking the three because everybody will say, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. We take the three. Yes, we probably could have. But for me, when you're in it, you feel completely different. The momentum's right behind you. France were absolutely buggered. They're out on their feet. Mm. The decision for me, the picking goes in the 22, got us a yellow card. France ended up, you know, bad tackle. They were absolutely knackered, as I say. For me, I'd have kept going at them keep the momentum going because what they've done is they've slowed the game down they've taken a, taken a scrum you're bringing a tight head on fresh when we're absolutely buggered towards half time and the first scrum we get penalty advantage we didn't execute our play as a backline and that was a proper chance to you know play because we had penalty advantage we didn't execute it gone back to the scrum again and then France win the penalty I think for me there the scrum was probably the wrong choice because of bringing the fresh player on. But also you're thinking, right, we're a number up in the back line. Where it was positioned in the field, you're gaining nothing out of it because you've lost your winger and you've put your full back into the front line. Mm. There's nowhere else in behind to defend. You're not gaining any advantage there, in my opinion. 
So the, the, the call there for me was wrong. Yeah, but with that, <clears throat> Bernard, and you'll know this from coaching, should have taken the three game, might have been different, could have been different. But as we know in life, you turn left, turn right, it all unfolds mm-hmm. whatever direction you decide to go in. But France were always going to come back at some point, weren't they? And they got the one opportunity in the game. How do you say his name? Bele, 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 Barry. Huh? Biel Barry. Biel Barry. He is some player. Yeah. Like some player, like quality. But Galtier dropped him the week before for yes. Ireland because he didn't think he'd be good in the high mm. ball. Like, and that's the. I, I think with Scotland. So I think Scotland parked the bus when they went sixteen ten, and I, and I think in theory and the fans and the, and the pundits and the coaches will say, oh, yeah, you, you've got two. You've got a, a six point lead here. Don't get caught in your own half. Mm. But I actually, I actually feel Scotland's strength is playing. And I know it's difficult at the moment because they just needed a win. Mm-hmm. You know, they come off a bad second half against against Wales. They don't have confidence. The World Cup wasn't wasn't good. But wow, if I'm France, I'm loving the fact that they're just kicking the ball back to me. And, and fairness, France had no interest in doing anything either. Mm-hmm. And we saw that the Pont Law being making this this like period where there was nothing happening. But once France got that one set piece, they uh, I think Scotland got it completely wrong in terms of how they set up. Made a couple of errors even within that, and then. Then Scotland are the ones chasing the game, and uh, so it's a hard one because you know better than I do uh, that that group. But for me, they're they're a group who are very dangerous if they're playing. It's like Wales at the moment; like they're better when they're actually playing with tempo than playing structured rugby, just because of the age and the profile players they have. Whereas for me, once Scotland stop playing and try to kill it, they made themselves more vulnerable. And France were there for the take, and France were pretty average. Or they, you know, they, yeah, like, they were. They're, 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 we spoke about they're as bad as they've been for yeah, a long time. Yeah. But again, like I think we're talking about France not being at their best, but Scotland were really, really good for 60-odd minutes of that first game. first half, we were savage, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. But for me, when, when we went to that kicking game, as you say, we went away from everything that, you know, our strength is playing. And we sat back and almost thought... we, we I, I felt we almost played as if we had a 12, 13-point lead rather than a 6-point lead. Mm. And you still got to play. you got to close out that game. A 6-point buffer for me is like... Nothing. Isn't enough. Yeah. It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing, in my yeah. opinion. You got to keep playing, and you could see when Scotland started to play. You know, Kyle Rose break towards the end. You know, Duhan barely touched the ball, in, in that second half, we got to get these boys playing. Um, and yes, like at times when the kicking battle was going on, and you know we were slowing down, we were in control of it. You know, for yeah. for for certain parts of it, but it's almost like right, stay in the kicking battle until somebody makes a mistake and make sure that it's not us. And we did. We made a mistake, we gave France a scrum and then they punished us on the back of it. The real, only real opportunity they had in that second half and they nailed it. And there's a number of different things that happened. You know, for me, Kyle Rowe ends up ball watching. You know, two line comes round the corner um, on the short side when there's absolutely nothing on. But by him just being there as as clocked the eye of Kyle Rowe and, and I think it was Ben White yeah, that was White. inside of him. And he's not no idea where where the winger is, and that pass was on the money. But I think Kyle Rowe might have got he might have got there, but Patterson closed very quickly. Yeah, as yes, well. The two, the two of them, if if they had a little bit more width, you can be more yeah, aggressive. Sure. And if they had width, they probably don't go down that yeah. short side. They don't attack down that short side. But it's these tiny little things that 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 changed the game. Yeah. The whole momentum of the game, the whole outcome of the game was was on that. On that little passage of play, yes, we didn't stay in the kick battle. We made a mistake. The scrum wasn't ideal. You know, Tulani comes round the corner, sucks in defenders, and you know, as a backfield, we were probably off a little bit. Um, and that was maybe you know 
the fact that Kyle Rowe and, and Harry Patterson are a bit green when it comes to the international stage, like that's a massive, massive moment that they've got a chance to make a difference and they didn't. Um, and then we find ourselves behind and everything's gone after that. You could see how flat we then became and um, we didn't look like we were going to play after that until the very last kind of two or three minutes. But that's the difference between winning test matches and losing test matches is these tiny little things, especially against a side like France who can change the game like that. Mm. You've got to maximise everything and Scotland didn't. And they'll be kicking themselves. The well, thing for Scotland is actually they probably have played up there with Ireland. If the first half against Wales and and, and the first half against France, some of the best rugby in the yeah. competition. Mm. You know, like so Englanders trying to find a way to play yeah. Wales. They they were okay when they chased the game, but Scotland actually have lots of ability, um, and that must be very frustrating for for Gregor and the coaches and for Finn yeah. just to just to get converted into a big win and Wales at home would have been a big win I think sorry France at home would have been a big win oh, Wales away wasn't the way it ended I don't think you got any real belief out of that yeah it looked when I was watching it first half the way that we played getting on the front foot the physicality the strength of the set piece you know, and you know what it's like well we all know what it's like when you're on you're on you know that you're on but the interesting thing about the game for me was watching it because I agreed with the kicking Right, and this is just you from gotta my. Get, you got to kick. Yeah, yeah. You but, the, kick. but the reason is because Dan Bigger, we had him on the rugby pod, almost like convinced me that we need a plan B for Scotland because plan A, which is play, 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 big fella, which we did, and we know that that works. We saw that against Wales in the first half. We saw that against France. That's where we're most comfortable. But I, Dan Bigger said it as a player, as one of the best tens to have ever played the game. Scotland's Achilles' heel is not having a plan B. And for me, that was the plan B. So I'm watching it, I'm like, well, maybe this is the right way, this kick-in game, low risk, managing the halfway line, which came back to bite us. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard one, is it? Because, you know, do we play, 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 play? And then we saw what happened in the second half against where... I know it's easy in hindsight now, but it's just a game of inches and a game, like as in a small manipulation of defenders, that that we, we concede the try... But the positive for me is we actually did score. I know it wasn't given, but we managed to get to a point in the game where we weren't cut off from the game having conceded that try. We actually put ourselves in a position where we are talking about centimetres and millimetres to have scored. And that's the the hardest thing to take for me out of the game. I think the, the balance in which Scotland are playing with is a lot better than it has been in previous years. You look at that first half, I know we don't want to talk about kicking all the time, but it's an it's an attacking weapon. You've got to create counter-attack ball, you've got to create opportunities, especially with this 50-22 law. You know, backfields are completely different. The difference between the first half kicking game in Wales compared to the second half kicking game against France was completely different. Mm. We were kicking with momentum, we were kicking on the front foot, we were finding space... We were in control of it. We were continually moving forward. And Finn, you know, managed to get a 50-22, putting boys in the right areas. Against France, it was almost like we shut up shop. And it's like, you're saying low risk, but the kicks, for me, they were good kicks in terms of how they were looking, but they didn't have any positive outcomes. You know, the amount of times it went down Ramos's throat and, you know, Finn and, and Thomas Ramos were just kicking back and forward with nothing happening. There was a good amount of patience from Finn, but at the same time, there was no real outcomes with the kicks. Yeah. And it was almost like, right, well, the law's going to be changing. We've, yeah. we've seen it going to be trialled, but you've got to have a, a better outcome. If you want to kill the game, you put the ball out. 
and you slow it down that way. Going back and forward, you could see the crowd were starting to get bored of it, but there was nothing on it. And I, I get it, it's a game of cat and mouse at times, but when you create counter-attack ball, you got to play. Scotland are at the best when they're playing. And at times we just we almost just shut up shop and it became mm. frustrating. And that's not what Scotland are about. We want to play. So you've got a back three of Dewey, Kyle Rowan and Harry Patterson. They're all young boys that want to run with the ball. Give them that opportunity. And you could see like France were absolutely out in their feet. They were happy to stand in the midfield and just watch it go back and forward. Yeah. But you you gotta you gotta be in a situation and and to try and grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And what's to say you don't run and you know then create a, you know set up a box kick that you've then got a more structured chase. That was something we used to do at Exeter. It wasn't a case of kicking back and forth. It was like right, get to a certain point that we can then use our attacking kicking game, but with a better chase. And these little things make a massive, massive difference. And that law for me, we are going to see it change. Well, burners all over it. Yeah, uh, what, we, what, I read, it, what, what, I read it. What? What? Uh, Super rugby basically are, are, are trialing. So Super rugby is on its knees in New Zealand. So I think they're going to try a lot of different laws to get the New Zealand public <laughs> back yeah. in because the, yeah. like they're just fed up eating just Aussies. South Africans are obviously going north, but yeah, basically it's like like what we we remembered it as. Mm. Um, where basically if a kick goes uh, over your head, you've got to start retreating until you're put on side. So it'll it'll stop fellas. It'll make fellas start to go back. And obviously, as a as a back three player, you see someone's number you're going to go after him but also by someone having to come from the back to put a, put you on side it's going to potentially open up that attacking mm-hmm. kick and yeah. we saw that that was that was the Finn Russell uh, 50-22 against Wales which George uh, Josh Adams stopped the quick throw led to a line out that was basically because Winnet the, the full back sliced it down the middle and he actually chased it to put mm. everyone else on side. Like it was just naivety, and that opened up. They only had one in the backfield, and Finn had a long left or long right, and he and he, and he killed him. So that that will change things. But I think the the issue is, like Gregor Townsend or like Warren Gatton, they'd love to have a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, but you need to have the cattle as well, and also the fundamentals. I'm not saying Scotland have the cattle, but I think your bench wasn't as strong as uh, as, as France's yeah, literally. like your, your tight head played 80 minutes like you're, and then the, the likelihood of giving away scrum penalties in the last 20 for some reason in my memory anyway there was a couple of lineups lost in the last 20 against Wales or one anyway and one last week so again like to squeeze a team you have to have a set piece mm-hmm. or you know it's like there's no point and, or having a good defensive line out or else you're just going to get the mall, like or whatever, or or an attacking playback. So it's not as easy as just. Have, obviously, you want to have a little bit more variety. Yeah. I think they do have more variety, but I think like when I look at Glasgow or Edinburgh, they play. When I look at Scotland, when they're at their best, they play. Mm. So that should be their super strength. And obviously, if you have to manage the clock or or manage um, the game a little bit, you need to have elements of that. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be uh, like the focus for me. If I, I'd be much more afraid when Ireland play Scotland if if they went out and played. You know, if they play percentages, I think uh, we'd have a better chance of winning. Yeah, and well, I, I thought that. I thought with the with the side that they selected for me, the back row was one of the best back rows we've ever had for Scotland. You know, Jack Dempsey at eight, Matt Fagerson at, at six, and Rory Dodge at seven. As soon as I saw that back row picked, I thought we're carrying hard here. Mm. We're, we're going, we're going through them, which you have to, because we've got a lovely game plan. Uh, to to play wide, expansive brand of rugby, which plays to our strengths, but you got to get the go forward first. The good old saying, earn the right to go wide, you still got to go forward. And when that back row was picked, I'm thinking, right, we're going through the heart of them. We didn't use them in the second half. We didn't use these boys to, to gain momentum, to get you know kicking then on the front foot. Yes, you need to have a, a plan B at times, but Scotland's plan A, when it's done right, 
there's no need for a plan B, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. In my opinion, because if you execute that to the best of your ability and you're, you're nailing what you're doing, there's no need to change things. In terms of changing things for a plan B, it is going more to that structured kicking game when you've got an organised chase. So there's different ways of doing it. And Gregor and the rest of the coaching side, and the boys will learn massively from that, but they've got to learn quick. Because you can't be in a situation to go, oh, we almost won this game, or we're waiting until the last minute to, to try and score. You've got to put the, the, these, those games to bed by continue playing what's got you that lead. Mm. And I think if Scotland played in the second half and scored another try, what's to say it wasn't another one after that or, or whatever, but we almost shut up shop and I was I was actually really quite frustrated with it in the end because we went away from everything that that's our strengths mm. and it was bitterly, bitterly disappointing. Yeah, we lack the killer instinct, mm. don't we? I think anyone mm. looking at it can see that and we'll know this now having been out of the game, but Hoggy, you were at Exeter where you had the killer instinct, mm-hmm. you went on to win the Champions Cup and you probably saw a little bit of arrogance, but the confidence of these English players. I know Scotland, we've had their number, but you look at England, World Cup, third. I know they had an easier side of the draw, etc., etc. but notoriously, years gone by, Like even though Wales have lost the two games, but they're known to have a bit of killer instinct. Ireland, it's obvious we've always lacked killer instinct. And I think a little bit of that is around confidence. We're not arrogant. We're too humble. We're apologetic about what we are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like that was the game there. And I said after the game, I was like, if you don't know what it feels like to be Scottish, you do now. Could have, should have, would have. And people who have a short memory be like, oh, yeah, you know, should have won that game. We're good. The referee, if you've got a longer memory and you go back to even when I was playing, Right, 2010, speak about that, winning against Wales, 10 points or something, four minutes to go, and we managed to butcher the game. Yeah. There was, that was like the headline one, but there was loads. We're in games, could have, should have, would have, just didn't have the killer instinct, just didn't have the arrogance, the shoulders back to be like, you know what, fucking, you know, it's they cut the throat. That's, that's what I mean about, you know, really maximising your opportunities. If Scotland scored another try before half-time, or started playing more in the second half that got them the lead. If they score one try, the confidence goes through the roof and the belief starts to build even more so than, than what it was prior to the game. And I've been in many an occasion, I find I found it more with Exeter than I did with Scotland, that we're pushing for tries and when we get one, you get another one. And then you start to believe, you start to you know back your, your skill set, you put the carrot in front of the donkey with the, with the, with the forward pack and make sure we're continually going forward. Scotland are just like almost sitting back at times, waiting for something to, to unfold, and then instead of you know grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck, and that's something I've been in that team for, you know the the last eleven years, and it's always been the case. It has, because we're one or two tries away from putting teams to the sword. But if you think about like so, we're killing, we're not we're we're, we're critical of Scotland here, right? But the last two games, like effectively the last play of the game against Wales, Duan. Puts the ball down on someone's ankle. Yeah. Right. So no bonus point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it flips that mentality. Scotland finish with a bonus point there. I think they actually get the feel good factor, that belief you get out of having not won in Wales twenty two years. Right. And it's different. And they probably go and beat France. But then against France, that ball is doesn't land on the foot first. And we can talk about whether it is or not. Like I mean, we know it's probably a try, but effectively that ball it goes. Was, on, it was. A yeah. Try. That was try. That ball, <laughs> that ball goes, but it's actually the same. Like little part of a of a leg yeah. that stops France, exactly. uh, helps France win and stops Scotland. Basically, now going, we've actually turned a corner. And I think 
the problem is, and you've had some great wins, but like you haven't won in Wales for two years. You haven't beaten Ireland for a while. You needed to beat France. You can obviously do stuff in this championship, but to get that confidence to close out games, you need to believe you actually have done it before. And unfortunately, I don't think there's been enough of them for Scotland. And that's why at the moment they're just they're so close, but just haven't haven't nailed. It's it. a killer instinct. Yeah. You know when we talk about that as ex-players, yeah. and you're more removed from Scotland and slightly older and wiser. Yeah. But uh, we're right in saying that, and I love Scotland, right? Yeah. As in, and you're going deep into the weeds about it, and this is giving the listeners a completely different context to how Scotland play and what we need to do going forward, right? Because as we know, as well, I didn't have it in the Six Nations, but momentum is key, and the killer instinct of getting a bonus point in Wales as poorly as we played in the second half, or as good as Wales played, and beating France, but we're on for a grand slam, yeah. And you can be the hype man, which I am talking about it. We're on for a grand slam. We've got England at home, and it's all could have, should have, would have. Do you think it is the killer instinct that we're like? If you're coaching, yep. like, how would you look at it? Would you be feeling sorry for yourself because the try wasn't given and we didn't get the bonus point down in Wales? Like, how do you package that? No, I think what, he's got to you pa- frame it that we're, we're making progress. I think like, we've heard that. For I know, I know, I know. And, years, and, and, and you're just a challenge for you Gregor. Fired. The challenge for Gregor is is effectively he's probably delivered that message a lot. Like it's, in some ways, it would be nearly easier for an outside guy to come in or a woman to come in and go. We're very close. We just changed this. And that's the challenge for... Like, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he can go back to the well, like, having had all that heartbreak over a long period and, like, deliver a message, the same message in a different way. It's very, It must be very difficult. Like, it, like I fell for him. I just... I heard his... Uh, I listened to the BBC pod uh, coming over and uh, I heard his interview afterwards, like... And obviously, he, you know, he, he's talking about the last minute, but it's tough. Like, it must be very tough for him because he, you know, your ex-players, I'm watching from the outside, but he's emotionally involved as well. And, mm, and, time. The, and, and next thing, you just, it's so close to being an amazing result and you just find a way to lose. And I, that sounds harsh, but I think they did find a way to lose it. And, and But again, from the flip side, you say, look, we've had no ball against Wales the second half. We go chase that bonus point. We have a backs play that gets us into 22 and Duan should score yeah. and again and Kyle Rowe makes you know it's a really good play to get Kyle Rowe away we should score so mm. like from a so coaching co- pers- perspective yeah. you, we're getting in the right position yeah, exactly. so Greg is putting them in the positions to go and win the game yeah and they have talent it's a talented team I think yeah but we need to transfer that into wins Bernard just, just last thing on that so and this is a different team but the Italian under 20s came to Cork last week and should have beaten Ireland right? And uh, they lost by uh, two points or whatever and it's supposed to be the best Irish under 20s team ever but they're used to beating Ireland at under 16s under 18s so they believed they could win the same skills coach that I met on, on Sunday morning like when he said oh we scouted Ireland we didn't see any weaknesses it's very hard for that senior team to believe that they're going to win so and I'm not saying Scotland aren't a development team but they just need to get a couple of you know but you're paying lip service to that. That's massive. Yeah. Because w- w- I, I talk about this being a once-in-a-generation team, and it is, Hoggy, you know it. Like, you're in it. Like, you've just literally come out of it. Like, you've been in it for, for years. Look at what's coming through. And this is our big Achilles heel, and it's something that people are speaking about, but not really. Under-20s is the perfect gauge. That's the perfect gauge of what's coming. It's the only gauge of what's coming through. And people are talking about Italy, yeah, they're getting better. We know that in a couple of years' time, they're going to be there or thereabouts because of the performances like you just said I wasn't aware that they yeah, beat Ireland we they beat Ireland, Ireland as well yeah, they beat Ireland what, um, under 18 no. oh, yeah, they're, they're normally they're actually used to beating us so Italy under 20s are brilliant right well, they're, yeah they're very competitive they should have beaten us um, uh, but they genuinely believed they could beat us whereas mm. I don't need the senior team believe they could I'm not saying Scotland don't believe I'm sure they do but it's just getting that 
like like you've had signature wins, just not enough of them back to back. Yeah, you know what I mean, and a lot of disappointment. Um, we, we, we've often talked about that in the past about you know it's one thing winning, and we used to say oh we need to back it up. It's not about backing it up; it's about bettering it for me because the belief comes when you're in the nitty gritty sides and you close out games and you win games. That's when you start to get better. And you're, you're touching on you know, if, buts and maybes. We beat France at the weekend, the belief grows. And you start to you know, build confidence within this side that something special is happening. The difference between going into training this week and next week is the fact that we're, we're coming off the back of a loss on a game that we should have won. Mm. Like, I, I'd much rather... You look at England the past couple of weeks, they've not played great rugby, but they're winning, they're winning games. Scotland are playing an attractive brand of rugby, and it's working for us at times, but we're still coming away from... Test matches with defeats to our name, and everything grows when you win games. And it's as I said, you score another try, you probably score another two or three because France are out of it. Momentum swings are massive, and this is the killer instinct you're touching on. If we get that killer instinct, we'll start to back up what we're saying. Um, and it's not a million miles away. It's not been. It's been like this for the past few years. It's like the belief is starting to grow, but you got to back it up on the pitch and make sure that we're, we're winning games. Don't answer yet, Hoggy Bernard. What did you say? Try. try. Yeah, let's try. I think it's a try. You think? Uh, no, it's like it's a try. It's a try. Mm. I felt sorry though for the TMO because he, I think he talked himself in and out of it and he talked to referee in and out Live. of it. Live. He, he talks yeah. himself in and out of it no, in no. the open forum. four minutes transcript I actually read it. Uh, like it was messy. But he needed a clear, uh, I think because uh, he was told on field decision, no try, he needed clear footage. But again, you watch the NRL. Right. The NRL, um, they like they favoured attacking team there, yes. you know, and that's something I think. If you if you if you got caught on your own goal line defending there, there has to be more evidence, in my opinion, that it's not a try in the future. That's done, whatever. But in the future, um, yeah, I I I, I think it's hundred percent a try. But I understand why it wasn't given. But I think for the game to move forward, it needs to. We need to basically. Favour the team and attack there. Yeah. So if the referee's not 100% sure it's not a try, he reverts, try or no try. He says that, it's a try. Yeah. And it's given. And that's the thing. That's, I, yeah. I, I, yes, and I think the referee's decision-making was based on the fact that Scotland never celebrated at all. Yeah. So if Sam Skinner gets up and, and celebrating and everybody's you know whooping and hollering, the ref's going, well, actually, they might have scored that. It might you know, determine what I'm going to then ask the, the TMO. So these tiny little things make a massive difference, but... When you look at it, yes, we got ourselves in good positions, we scored a try, but at the same time, you look back on the analysis and you look back at the opportunities that we had during that phase of play. We were on about the 15-metre line, and I think at the time I counted, there was three Frenchmen on the floor and ten guys within the first post, so 13 players within half a pitch. We're walking it's, in. It's if walking, we, yeah, if, it was. If, if, if we play. If we pick our heads up and we look what's in front, we're walking under the posts. You know, see only two Bilotti's walking in, Finn's walking in, whoever is, uh, is out there. But not once have we picked our heads up and looked at it. We've all just got the blinkers on thinking, right, the power game's going to work. Yes, it was a try, but you got you got to look at, at opportunities. The French are massive. We've never had a huge Scottish pack that are going to, you know, blast teams out the out the water, but you got you got to play to your strengths. Yes, the pick-and-go game worked because we did score, but at the same time, 
you're walking in under the post if you if you pick your head up. Hmm. It's a tough one. I saw Nick Berry after the game, and we were talking about this whistleblowers doc, and oh, yeah. loads of people have messaged me today because on the pod I said I feel a bit sorry for Nick Berry, which I do because on the rest, like it's a massive call. That's a horror story for him. Yeah. And a horror moment. Like, he doesn't want that. They don't want that as referees. Like they don't want to be making a call on a match it, like that moment that we saw. Like he really doesn't. And the, was it four minutes it took them yeah, to, to come to yeah. the decision? Yeah. So you look at it, and I, I, this is what I mean. Was it your article that I read, Bernard, recently about the Dupont Law? Which yeah, one yeah, you, yeah. And you talk about the TMO. You, we're talking about world rugby you need to kind of change the grey area. I yeah. saw an article about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think, I think we're doing. I think we need to make the game simpler. Simpler. simpler yeah. You know what I mean, I like, think we all agree. Like but, we, we, we're all mad about it, and but like I, I don't know if you're sure if you do the comments, but or even as a pundit, at half time sometimes you're looking back at a at a high tackle or something else, and you and well, I certainly don't have conviction that what a, my that my opinion of it is going to actually. Play out in the in the in the disciplinary process. You know what I mean? And I, I, I don't speak to TMOs and referees. Like they've lost confidence in the people who support them to a certain extent around the technicalities of the decisions they're making and the, and the likely suspensions. So they're they're giving someone a yellow or red. Um, obviously in the Six Nations, it's it's a bunker, but they're they're making decisions on the field that they're not a hundred percent sure are right, and they're mm. the experts of the law. That's how hard our game is at the moment. And to, with that, to Bernard the, and. The TMO, I think, needs to be the most qualified out of all the referees. I think they need to be the very best yeah. in the business and decisive in their decisions and give them the keys to the decision. And that's what they did before the World Cup. The TMO would make a decision and then they for the World Cup, and I think Wayne Barnes maybe had a big influence on this because he was so good at his job. He was like, no, we need to have the human, we need to have the referee making the final decision, whereas I think it's the opposite. I think if you've got all this technology and you've got Nick Berry umming and ahhing for four minutes on that decision with the TMO, looking at a grainy TV, you've got Charles Olivon over your shoulder, you've got Finn close to him, like you're fucked because you've done 80-odd minutes of rugby. The pressure, take it away from him. You've got to use the TMO. They, and that's for me, is the evolution what, where world rugby need to go. They need to put that person in that room, in the stadium, out the stadium. Give them no name. You don't need to give them a name. And I think that then that takes everything off the referees. And this isn't hiding mm. behind it. Or, the you know, you, you do the complete opposite. And yeah. don't have a TMO and the referee just makes all the decisions and he gets booed and gets abused on social media constantly. Yeah, I, I think either the ref, the TMO is, is anonymous or he's actually has a really strong relationship with that referee. Mm. So you basically pair them up. So in, in, in Gaelic games in Ireland, the referee will bring his own umpires. And sometimes there's brothers or his dad. So like they go every Sunday to do a match. It's an amateur sport. Right? But like there could be 80,000, there is 8,000 people there and they effectively have people that they've done 48 matches a year with who are there to guide and advise them. So they know, they trust them. I'm not saying there's a lack of trust, but they know their personalities. They they can say things to each other straight. Um, you know, they can lead a conversation a certain way. If, and and that, that, that makes it better. You know what I mean? Whereas I think and if you pair up two people, like the pressure that was on Brian McInnes, the TMO, and Nick Berry on, on Saturday was, was phenomenal. And like, I don't know how many games they've done together. But wow, when you're, on that, you're in that spot, either you need the best of the best in the box or I think actually if they had a relationship. I remember Nigel Owens used to bring, um, was it Bevan with him? Like, like most of Nigel Owens' games that he, I remember when I played, he had the same TMO and they had a, a trust there that actually 
actually fed down to the players where you actually kind of you know they're going to get things wrong but mm. you actually think it's going to get more right than they get wrong yeah. which isn't the case at the moment is it is the game in terms of all the different questions that, that the referee can ask the TMO do we overcomplicate it mm. big time yeah. yeah we do don't we totally. because the, there's that many different different questions that lead to specific outcomes and do we need to narrow it down and just literally go with you know, try or no try, yeah, or or anything like that. But the different things that you can then ask the TMO determines the outcome of what's yeah. actually happening. I just think sometimes it's, it's like overcomplicated. Fra- yeah, because they're talking about a framework, and the perfect example from the weekend, if we just look at that, was Oli Chesham's tackle, yeah. and they were going through a framework, and they were using the wrong terminology. Mm. Imagine being a referee in rugby's an impossible challenge right because of everything that goes on how many rooks are there a game on average is oh, and, t- well, yeah, yeah it's a bit over 200 yeah, yeah 200 or 250 yeah. odd rooks in a game happening in there the chaos the collisions and they've got to be amongst all that whilst they're having the frameworks in their mind and there's only one of them there's only one you've got the the lines run on the side all women big shout out to holly davidson you can't what can you see from there they, they, they can't have an input now though but no. They can't have an input. Mm. They're, they're not allowed to say anything other than an offside or whatever it no. is, isn't it? I did not know that. What's the, what do you what's mean? What's the point? They, they can't say anything. They can't, you know, beep in and say, oh, that's hands in the ruck on this side or anything like that. They're literally only allowed to say offside. And put the, when put did the that change? It's been that for, for a long time now. That's it. has been changed in terms of what they're allowed to call in, yeah. Did not yeah, I'm not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure of the exact parameters, but there has been a, a change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I, mean. I just think, like, on that point, yeah, we need to simplify. Everyone's speaking about it, right? Like, it's a thing, but we don't want to be talking about it in the middle of a no. Six Nations. So, as creative director, I'm going straight to the top <laughs> table. Bill, where are you? Where are you? I'm actually on a working group to have a, a meeting with World Rugby and the referees after the Six Nations to talk about. Who's on that? You'd like to share? Um, Nina Barr's on it. Felix Jones. Yeah, oh. like, it's, it's about okay, so South Africa. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm the token, <laughs> token journalist yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But uh, no, it's a. It, it looks like a, a good group, and wow, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. You know what I mean, whether yeah, like they want to. Phil Davies is the head of World oh, he's, he's a great yeah. fella. Like he actually wants to have conversations um, and try and make it better and work within the bureaucracy that he has to work with. But I've been unbelievably impressed with him and, and his desire to just get rugby people. Talking about the game with referees, coaches, players, uh, ex coach, ex players, just trying to make it better. And I think making it better is simpler, but um, we'll see. I don't. I don't think how we can make it more. Co- if we make it more complicated, we have no chance. You know? Yeah. I just, but just a quick, a quick one against myself about technology in the game, right? So I went to do Cocom in um, in Cardiff for the France, uh, sorry, Scotland Wales game, and you know Mark Robson, the uh, the commentator. Mm. So he, so anyway, he's he's uh, he's always looking for. A story in the next angle. So he goes up to me. He goes, "Oh, I've been watching Finn uh, Finn Russell practice goal kicking for the last five or six minutes. There must be some new technology." And I said, "Why?" And he goes, "Oh, look, watch him. Every time he puts the ball on the tee, he puts his mobile phone about a meter uh, south southeast, right? Okay, and then he takes the kick. So I'm watching him for about three kicks, and he he's moving his mobile phone around, right? So I, and he's there. I was there. Oh wow, this, this is going to be gold on comms. Like I've." I, I can talk about this new technology that it's getting Finn Russell from 86%, 87%. So um, I ring a friend of mine who's a kicking coach with Argentina and I say, is there new technology? And he's there, no, I don't think so. And I said, maybe it's like a golfer, like there's a there's some kind of a scanner on the phone. 
And he said, no, I don't think so. So I rang Sexton, right? And um, I was like, do you know anything about this? Maybe there's a chip in the ball. Maybe he has Bluetooth to his phone. And he's looking at the revolutions, right? And he goes, oh, no, I don't think so. Maybe just listen to music or whatever. And next thing on the big screen, he's got the, the beats in his ear. Yeah. And he's like, he doesn't have the, the cans like we have, but he has like the, the subtle beats and he's yeah. dancing away. It's just fucking Spotify. You know what I mean? So I was like, Robbo, fuck off. Wait for me. To- <laughs> let, me uh, let me just actually accommodate the match when I put the mad stuff in my head. You know I mean? Yeah. That's genius. Remember, remember years ago on, on April Fool's that the, the SRU once put the. Uh, Dan Parks had a laser coming from his kicking team. Mm. All these different really? technologies. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Fed will just be listening to yeah. music, but chilling out. He's probably not even got his boots tied at the time either. Uh, it was a new Finn. It was a new Finn. I was. Yeah. Jeez. Going to segue then. Talking of kicking, Jack Crowley off the boot. Maybe he needs a laser. That's a negative. You don't need to answer that. How good? Yeah, How he's good? Really good. He's like we were chatting about it at the live show yeah. that we did in Dublin, yeah. weren't we? Um, audio weren't great, but the content was amazing. Yeah. About the next ten for Ireland is it because France have been so poor and it was Italy that he's not Mr B or is he that good I think think he's good really how do you go from Munster Bernard how do you go from Munster who've had an up and down season loads of injuries into that Ireland setup and look like a Leinster player and that's all due respect to do you know what I mean as in just fall in line yeah I think I everybody everybody's very comfortable with how they want to play. So he's only really the conductor of the orchestra. He doesn't have to. So Johnny would have Johnny would have probably coached on the field and and made sure everybody was in place. But I actually think his legacy is, and it's not just him, but Farrell, Mike Cat, everybody like is so comfortable with how they want to play. And that's like Ireland have a plan A, and and maybe that's the, the weakness they don't have a plan B or whatever. But they have a plan A and they're pretty good at. It. And Crowley has the skill set. Um, he's got footwork. He's got he's got character. He wants the ball. He wants mm. to be making things happen. Um, and yeah, we, we've had two easy enough games. But I, I, I genuinely like he kicked a drop goal last year against Leinster in the semi final to win at last minute. He got some important kicks away to Stormers when he did the camp first. Everybody said, "Wow, this fella!" Like he he has that temperament which a ten you need. Um, and don't forget, like Munster, Roundtree picked. Him over Ben Healy, who's now Scottish international, and uh, Joey Carberry. You know, he made a call before he'd actually proven it, just saying, I'm going to back him. He's our 10 for the next 10 years. So um, the people who've worked with him, the Farrell, Roundtrees, etc., they've all seen something in him, and I think we're seeing it now on, on the Six Nations stage. Yeah, with him, though, just specifically, I don't ever remember talking about him a couple of years ago. It was always like, who's going to fill in for yeah. Johnny? Billy Burns was mentioned, Harry Byrne. Then Ross Byrne came in. This isn't we spoken about Bernard, but the pressure that they were under because it's Johnny Sexton, like no one can fill Johnny Sexton's boots. It almost feels, and I get a sense that they've been burnt a little bit by that. Do you know what I mean? And then Jack Crowley's come in under the radar, probably hasn't had that pressure to deal with. He's been up in Munster. Yeah. So his path has almost been like a more seamless transition from that Munster team into the island setup, and there isn't the baggage being carried around, being Johnny Sexton second in charge and when he's not playing, Ireland are not the same. You feel that, right? As a player, of course you're going to feel that the whole time and I do feel a little bit for Ross and Harry. Yeah, absolutely. But like Jack has had a chance to grow himself whereas if you look at the next four ch- the next four out halves after Jack are all in Leinster. So, the, so Ross Byrne, Harry Byrne, mm. uh, Kieran Frawley and Sam Prendergast, they're all in Leinster, right? So they're only getting games... You know, every now and again, or, or like at the moment, Leo hasn't said, 
this is my man. He's, he's shared a game time. So they're getting a game, then they're out for a game or getting 20 minutes off the bench. Whereas Jack Crowley actually has the chance every week to sit down with Mike Prendergast on a Monday and say, look, at how are we going to play this week? You know, he runs the team. So in in a short period of time, he's probably got more development than Ross Byrne, who's, you know, been competing with Johnny, et cetera, et cetera. So he's probably been lucky that... Now, he had to he had to have the talent, first of all, and also he had mm. to get rid of Joey and, and Ben Healy. But once he did that, now he has a, a free run at I love the fact that just everybody's talking about, you know, who's going to replace Johnny Sexton. He's almost went, stuff this, I'll show you. But, you know, the try that he then scored at the weekend, they'd gone through 12 phases prior to him scoring. He had a couple of lovely little offloads in there. For me, Ireland, we looked at it before the World Cup in terms of a team that has a, a DNA. And at the time, it was only South Africa. They knew exactly what they're about. Ireland, for me, are very, very close now. They know exactly what they're about. You see the connections that they have with their forward pods and their back line. They're continually working to make that extra man makes a massive, massive difference. And you could see for um, Nash's try at the weekend, the amount of you know hands that went through, yes, they had penalty advantage, but it was about six or seven passes between the left-hand touchline before he then scored in the, in the corner. They know what they're about. As you say, like being the man in the middle, the 10... When you have that cohesion and you know exactly what you're about as a as a team, he can just sit in there and, and, and distribute and, and make sure that boys are going in the right areas because that game plan that they've got is unbelievable. Their forward pods, their their connections, their, their ability to distribute. They've got a power game. I thought they kicked really, really well against mm. um, France. But then you look at that game at the weekend, he scored 36 points, which was un- unbelievable. But he conceded nothing. Mm. That's that killer incident we were on about with Scotland lacking. Ireland have got it in abundance. Just the, the stat on that is Ireland have the highest percentage of short passes in the Six Nations. So it's because of the chip in the ball, I think the average pass is, is 4.8 metres. Whatever. So everything is stretching defenders. So effectively, Jack Crowley, when he goes to the line, he has multiple options. And, and, and like, like I think for a defender, the ball in the air gives you time to to react whereas because the ball's not in the air for very long and you've players running different angles off him and he plays flat it's it's very difficult to defend and like it ripped France apart at times and Sean Ebers' defence is like I think he'd only conceded in 83 Six Nations game he'd only conceded three tries uh, more than four times so like Ireland Ireland's attack can rip you apart if you're if you're not on the money and he's 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 now playing a big role in that it's it's the everybody has a role to play in their in their attack and you can see any time that um, you know Crowley takes the ball to the line and, and chucks it out the back, the forward pods that are playing off him, they run with some power, even though they're not getting the ball. Yeah. They're making a difference. They're making defenders sit down. So they're creating space by their, with their running lines, even though they're not getting the ball. They're creating space for Bundyaki out the back or you know Henshaw even, even further wider. That makes a massive, massive difference. If you're kind of half-arsed going up, knowing you're not getting the ball, defenders just swim off you and go to the next person, but they're running with, with some vigour and they're, they're making a difference. And that's, for me, the tiny little bits of detail that make a massive, massive difference. And Ireland have got it. Do they have a weakness, Bernard? I've got one in the back of my mind. I'll see if you mention it. Um, scrum. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at costs against New against Zealand. New Zealand three, three penalties, mm. um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in that context of that game, it was a lot. Um, we're working hard. Finney Beelan played very well at the tight head. So he did. We, like for a long time, we thought we only had Tyg. Mm. Uh, we've got two unbelievable hookers. Um, the challenge is Porter 
and behind him. So there's a couple of very good young players. So Joe McCarthy, the second row, who's who's hit the Six Nations on fire. His younger brother, Paddy McCarthy, is a loose head coming through the Leinster system. There's another kid called Jack Boyle. So we have some loose heads coming through, but then the other side of it are, uh, is is Keane Healy and D- Dave Kilcoyne. You know, so they've they managed to be the backup for 15 or 13, 14 years. So we probably haven't brought through another loose head of the same level as Porter. But yeah, our scrum is could be an Achilles heel. But if you look at, so England, for example, that could be, like I saw England, the, the, the ability they have to bring on two very, very good props. Um, and you know yourself, even though it hasn't been a factor in, in the first two rounds, but if you get taken apart of the scrum, you look very average, mm. you know. So, our, like that is the potential. I think our line has settled down very well. We're good in the air. We've got a good kicking game, good variety. James Lowe gives us that as well. Um, but yeah, the weak, the potential weakness is a scrum. But obviously, hopefully, it doesn't um, doesn't become an issue this Six Nations. Yeah, I chatting to Andrew Porter on the rugby pod. Like the, you saw the All Blacks New Zealand quarterfinal match, and he was just still he was still gutted from mm. it. And you know, what it's like as a front rower, right? As in. A lot of the decisions, and I feel bad because I'm going at the referees, a lot of decisions, you know, aren't the right decisions yeah. being made on the field. Like, it's great that you've got Dave Flatman now and he knows about it, but you, you're watching it unfold and it's like, they're 50-50s mm. a lot of the time and it feels like Andrew Porter's not had the rub of the green and then once that's in and you're getting yeah. pinged two or three times in the game, why are you smiling, Huggy? Scrums, mate. <laughs> massive, hey, well, massive huge. Andy. Massive. Big, big, big weapons, big weapons, but... Yeah, it's coming back into it more and more. And I love it because I love how much energy it gets, it gives a front row. Mm. Mm. A team? You want, you want, yeah, you want to hear them when, when they go, they're like, I remember being skipper at Scotland and you're getting Rory Sutherland and that saying, oh, come on, we'll scrum them. We'll, we'll take a scrum. Sutherland, <laughs> so we've just turned the ball over, mate. We're five metres from our own line. We're going to kick the bloody ball, mate. Yeah. But they just love it. But it's it's brilliant. The confidence that you can gain through a, a big scrum or a big mole, mm. just uh, as a captain, I'm like, well, I'm going to back this. I love yeah. it. I love it. And if, if Ireland can get that scrum function, then they've got the complete package mm. because they're, they are outstanding. They're brilliant to watch. I mean, for years, I, I sometimes thought they overcomplicated things in, the, in their attack shape. There was a lot, a lot of passes, but you can see the difference it's making now. And they are incredible. If they get their scrum sorted, I don't know the first thing about scrums, yeah. but put the ball in. It's getting, on the right, well, it's getting on the right hand. Yeah, the referees, yeah. 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 The right it's mainly the, it's mainly the yeah. Andrew Porter side that's, that's, yeah, it is, that's yeah. under scrutiny. Yeah, fair. we're not calling Porter side. No, no, a fantastic no, sure. player. It's more getting him on the right side mm. of the referees and stuff, because he's a, a fantastic player. Yeah. Who comes close Ireland. to beating Ireland in the Six Nations? Oh, I wanted to see a Grand Slam decider in Dublin on Paddy's weekend with Scotland, but we're not going to see that. Like, but England go well against them. Yeah, England, if you look at England's players, I think the way they play, even though they're talking about evolving, that'll take a while. So I don't think they're going to, they're not going to. You don't play against Ireland. No, they're not going to play like, they're going to kick the ball. Exactly, kick the ball. And, uh, uh, kick the fucking ball in your own half, as Sean Edwards said. But uh, they'll, they will make it, they've got good guys in the air. Like, yeah, like we can't judge, we can't over um, estimate our, our our quality because of what happened in France, and then we had Italy. So like we we still have to prove that we can do it in Scotland, Wales. Uh, I think we, we we should be good enough to be Wales, but England away is a, is a tricky one. And Scotland, if, if Scotland find that two percent of you know belief, they could they could challenge us. Mm, I think there's a big big difference. You're being kind to me and Hoggy. I think there's a there's a big difference between everyone else in Ireland. We've, ne- we've never gone across there mm. and been thumped. We've been in the game for 60, 70 minutes over, over in Ireland. So mm. 
Like it's it's a place that I loved playing against because the Irish get right behind their like the crowd get mm. right behind the team. It's all about silence in that because mm. I've played there many a time that when we've been on that per hand, we're we're winning or momentum's behind us. The place is dead quiet. Yeah, mm. probably because it's not a nighttime kickoff and. Like it was in the World Cup and that. Yeah, the, all the Irish. Are yeah, and it's different as well. Then, a lot of people, a lot of people who went to the World Cup can't well, not, get tickets. Not, not they can't there, get tickets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're just genuine sports fans in Sport Ireland, and mm. and they they made it unbelievable. You know, like the atmosphere on Sunday. I know it's a Sunday kickoff, and we were winning quite easily, but it was very poor. But that's that's the challenge we have. Is sometimes it can be very corporate. Um, but you're right, Jeff. You can go in there in a Six Nations game, and you you you've probably played better. Certainly, in my memory is as much as likely to beat Ireland in Dublin as you were in Edinburgh yeah. you know, over the last yeah. six, seven years. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But again, I do think Scotland, you've got England next. I think Scotland would have to win a Calcutta Cup to genuinely be yeah. able to come to Dublin and, and beat us. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think, you know, hopefully we have a, a couple of good results prior to, to that game, but it'll be interesting to see how England approach them and what Ireland yeah. then, you know, take into England because that's a massive game. Um, you know, going to Twickenham is not, a, not an easy easy place to go but by the time it comes to that Scotland game you know hopefully we're in a better place and we'll have learned a, a massive amount and you know teams all you know we can't really take much from, from the Italian game but France at times you know challenged Ireland you know England will challenge Ireland you know it's finding mm-hmm. different ways but by the time it comes to our game you know hopefully we're in a great place that we can properly take them on mm-hmm. Yeah. What's happened to James Ryan? Uh, he just no he, he's just got um, Joe McCarthy came up Got a bit of a run, played yeah. played Champions Cup games. Probably has more bang in the, in the collision. Uh, even though James Ryan's obviously very physical, but just Joe is a, is the type of Joe's the type of second rower we normally sign from South Africa for mm. our provinces. You know, has he so? But how have they managed to get him that size? Yeah, he's in, just in, he's just a freak. His, his younger brother, I spoke about. He's not massive, but. Like he just kills people. Like mm. he just farmer strength, even though they're not farmers. <laughs> uh, no, but you know what I mean. It's just it like even he, New Zealand farmers. He's, big, he's big Joe. He's yeah. big Joe. But you put him up against some of the monsters that are in international rugby. He's not. He's not as big as Tulagi, etc. But his impact and Craig go forward. He moves incredibly well. Like he covers the ground. He he has evasion. Uh, he's hungry. He makes good reads in defence. So he's just got in. And then Tyke Byrne. Like we weren't sure who was going to partner. Joe for the France game mm. and Farah picked Ty Byrne who was incredible Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help With Greenlight parents can keep an eye on kids spending and saving while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence As a parent you can send instant money transfers set up chores automate allowance and more It's a convenient way to run your household customized to your family's needs and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Incredibly good. Like, in actual fact, if it wasn't Joe McCarty's first match, Ty Byrne would have been man of the match. Mm. Um, but then he had the luxury of being able to obviously rest uh, Ty Byrne this week, and James Ryan played well, so... Yeah, it's just gonna, and we've Henderson as well, who's obviously uh, he came on. Yeah, he got came well. on as a good player. So we've got four very 
four very good locks at the moment and I'm sure Farrell will, will keep them all busy yeah because James Ryan was being spoken about as captain yeah, Skipper, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and that's I think that joke so if, the conversation pre-Six Nations was there was a strong rumour that Doris was going to be captain because mm. uh, Pete was injured um, and obviously I think Doris is probably the only one in that back row who's guaranteed to be number one for the next four years you know what I mean um, and but Doris had never been captain Leinster no one ever saw him as a, as a captain as such um, why not too loose yeah apparently so <laughs> you told me a story yeah. he is quite loose he is, he is quite, quite loose, loose. But Farrell, yeah. Farrell, Farrell, I think Farrell was attracted to that as well and, uh, yeah, I love yeah, that yeah you know what I mean but anyway he uh, Omani came back had a massive performance for, against Toulon and he went for Pete as the captain for the mm. first game but then Pete didn't play and now Caelan Doris was captain against Italy so so you're saying they could put Byrne at six which would yes, have freed up yes, James Ryan yeah, exactly. in the second row yeah, exactly. so they could move that around but yeah for sure uh, James Ryan at the moment I think his, his job is to try and get back in the team mm. and captaincy may come down the road yeah for me Caelan Doris like, that's who I earmarked before and that's not fobbing off Peter Romani mm. but you're just thinking the transition period that Ireland are going through he might have stepped away but he's he just Phenomenal yeah. every time that you play, especially for Ireland, right? Class, yeah. yeah, he really is. But Caelan Doris, is he the next one in line, do you think, for captain? I know he's... Yeah, I think so. He, he captain against France. No, captain against Italy. Yeah, but uh, when Pete went off... Oh, yeah, he Pete, did, he came on, yeah. So yeah. it's obvious that Farrell is going to give him a, That's what I mean. So, goal, yeah. yeah, he's giving him a go yeah. as well. Like, for me, anyone you speak to, Justin Marshall, and they were talking about what his belief where New Zealand have fell off lies around the number eight position. Mm. And there's a few other people I've been chatting to about like Ruggers going all out about the spine of the team and all that. Everyone's talking about number eights. Coaches are speaking about big number eights. You know what I mean? Get them yeah, over, sure. Getting over the game line. That physical presence. And D- Doris, for me, phenomenal player. Absolutely amazing. He's, he's good for the goal forward, but he's got skills as well. Yeah, I understand that. He's, not he's just a most complete yeah, aim yeah, I think we've ever seen. That's the thing you often get a big big ball carrier thinking they're just going up the guts but yeah. he's got the ability to, to distribute and offload yeah. and, and make you look silly um, he is a he's the most complete eight player. I think we've he ever is, seen Ardi Surveyor I don't really see him as an eight no. which is, I, you know, I think he's more like a seven or mm. six is a monster but Caelan Doris for me everything from line out breakdown he had number seven on yeah, seven at the weekend, weekend yeah. absolutely phenomenal Scotland England Hoggy England got a chance Take out your media hat. Take your media hat off. Um, like, do England have a chance of Scotland? I don't think we've seen the best of England yet. I really don't. We talked about uh, these guys going through a transition phase of, you know, they've not got Courtney Laws, Owen Farrell stepping back, Ollie Lawrence is injured, Tua Lang is injured. I don't think we've seen the best of them yet. At the weekend, um, when they played, they looked good. But we've not seen a huge amount of Fraser Dingwall or or a Henry Slade. These are the guys you want to... You've got an unbelievable back three. You're not getting these guys the ball. You've got to play. Defensively, it's a bit here on scaring for me at the minute. And I think there's opportunities to, to take them on in attack because they're bringing a huge amount of line speed, but Italy managed to pick them apart. Wales at the weekend managed to pick them apart because they're bringing a huge amount of line speed and unless you get the collision spot on, you're going to be vulnerable. Because and that's where we're good as well. We're good mm, against yeah. that. I say that type of defence. You know what I mean with the with the edge. Well, well you've got you, you got to go through teams as well. You, you saw the weekend at Wales, um, you know, picking up little inside offloads, going through the heart of of, of uh, the English defence. Finn's kicking game will be massive. 
at the weekend because they're really quite narrow. They're flying up, you know, the amount of times that Elliot Daly was, you know, within the, the first post, you know, you're, you're creating a huge amount of space, but it's high risk, high reward in terms of the way they defend. I think Scotland have got to go through it first because mm. if you go too wide too early, you're going to get caught. Finn's attacking, kicking game will have to be, you know, spot on, try and pick this team apart because the kicking game gives you opportunities, but it'll also try and change their defence as well. If we were getting rewards on the back of, you know, good kicks or whatever, England are going to have to change up little little bits and pieces. But you could see that the Italians and the Welsh have managed to pick them apart. And it's about Scotland being ruthless and having that killer instinct. I can't see anything other than a Scottish win, if they get it right. Uh, yeah, I look at England, they look very thin. And mm. obviously they do, because there's no Manu Tuolangi or Ollie Lawrence in the centre. And I'm a big fan of Fraser Dingwall as well. I, th- I think they've got, they've got great players, but again, they don't play at their strengths. Mm. When they play, they're good. What's their strengths? They've got to play with the ball. Mm. Got to, he, Fraser Dingwall, when, he, when, he, when he's playing at Northampton... Heavily involved in in all the plays. Henry Slade's the exact same at Exeter. These guys create space for like and, and opportunities for other people. You got to give them the ball. You mm. can't just sit back and play low risk. Here's the question for you, and I don't know the answer to this because I thought he had a really good sec. I thought he had a really good game. Is George Ford the man to actually get the best out of that backline? That's I, what I asked Courtney Laws. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think George Ford is an incredible rugby player especially on the front foot because his ability to take the ball to the line and you know really cre- he, he creates space for other people but when he makes a break he's he's got some toe as well I think now um, you know Finn Smith is, is not got a huge amount of experience on the international stage I think he's a quality player mm-hmm. as well you got to you got to release your back line they've got an unbelievable forward pack that will get them momentum I mean you're playing a 9 and 10 you know, on the front foot with the talent you've got in that back line you've got to play rugby you got to you got to use your strengths. You got to give it to you know Dingwall. You got to give it to Slady. These guys will create opportunities. When they I, I remember when when I first started playing against England, with the quality they had, we were always shitting ourselves. Mm. But they still had the same quality towards the end of my career, but they didn't have a game plan that suited them. So I've I never feared playing against England. It wasn't an arrogance thing. I was thinking they're just going to kick the life out of the ball. This lot have to play rugby. Because they've got some of the best talent in world rugby in that back line. You've got to give them the ball. Yeah, when I look at England, and I ask the same question to mm-hmm. Courtney about George Ford, because if not now, then when? Like He's got 90-odd caps. You, men- you mentioned about releasing the back line. You've got Finn Smith, you've got your 9, your 10, your 12, playing at the same club if Finn yep. Smith was to start. Mm-hmm. You've got your winger as well, who's Northampton. Yeah, Freeman, yeah. Toby Freeman, big fan of his. Massive. Yeah. He's massive as he's well. Massive. He's quality. But you've got George Ford, who's almost of that kind of Owen Farrell, running the show, running the show in the week, the leadership point of view. I just still look at England, it's like, yeah, everyone's talking about the way that they want to play. Do you just switch on? You're doing it in Northampton, and as we know, doing it in Northampton is one thing, mm. doing it internationally is another. And then you've got this physical defence that you're coming up, which, like you just said, got sliced open against Italy and Wales at the weekend. I just look at England, I'm like, I don't think they really know where they're at. You know, and then you've got a forward pack. Yes, they're physical. And I feel a bit harsh saying this because I'm mates with a few of the guys. You've got like Jamie George's captain, who I believe is the right choice. Yep. I don't think the profile of the back row really works as good as Ethan Roots was. I don't mm-hmm. think he was man of the match for the, the first match, really. You've got Ben Earl. I don't think he's an eight. 
although he scored off the base. Hell of a try, though. Hell of a try. Well, that's where he's good, like the acceleration and the power, but he's not like an out-and-out eight. He's a seven, in my opinion. doesn't matter what my opinion is. Like, Marrow, is he at the level that he needs to be? No, I don't think he is. Marrow told you, I think he's got another couple of levels. Oli Chesham was good. Are the props dynamic enough to get over Mm. gain line and be physical, which you just said, like, do you need that physical... Mm -hmm carrying ability to get on the front foot then to open up your bat line and then what got England to the semis was the kicking game what nearly beat them South Africa was that kicking game and I just feel as if like England are in this place now where the media the fans are almost dictating the way that Steve should pick a team and line a team up and that they need to play this fast style of rugby and you look at Ireland if they're the blueprint how many years has that taken to get to that point that's five now it's five yeah. to be where we are now. Like yeah. in the first year and a half or two years, some stupid pundits, me included, were saying, "Oh, Faz doesn't." I can't see the change. It just actually mm. took two years to actually get that attack moving the way they wanted it to go. So you have to double down. You've got to double down on the way that you want to play. Yeah, but if you're going to double down, you have to double down with the personnel too. Exactly. Mm. So that's what I means. So if you're going to keep putting Ford in there, who I agree with you, is a fantastic player. I always go back yeah. to that 2019 New Zealand game. It's one of the best performances you've yeah. probably ever seen from a 10. And this is where there's an expectation now from a Scotland perspective that I'm the same as hockey, which I've never normally, because I'm always on an hour. And this is because I've got trauma from having not beaten England yeah. or against them. But before they were unbeatable, like Billy Vanapola, Mako Vanapola, Dan Cole in his prime, scrummaging to the cow sheds and back, Courtney Laws in the, in that back row as well. And then you had Manu Tuolangi, you had Owen Farrell, you had Ben Youngs. Hit me with some more. Like horrible, horrible team to play against. A horrible team. Because yeah. you could have a game plan and it was just, in, you're on the back foot. You were in the back foot in the scrum, you were in the back foot in the line-out drive in the back foot when Manu Tulangi used to crash the ball up whereas I look at them now and it's kind of I want to be positive about England I, I like England I like the players that they've got but there's an expectation now that I think we are Scotland that we're 15 points better than them Jeez, when, I, when I thought of that game I, I didn't I didn't think Scotland I didn't, I didn't think the question would be can England win Scotland I, I, would, I, I wouldn't be as confident as that you wouldn't. I, no, I actually, I, I kind of think this England team. I, I know that. I, I actually, think, I think it's coming. It's I coming. Yeah. England, but England and, and, and it might be, it might not be all singing, all dancing. But I think, I think he actually may. Now he's away from home for next week against Scotland. May actually be more pragmatic, and that'll make it harder for 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 you. Like that, that's that. that yeah, I still, I, I, I know they don't have the fellas, the, the two laggies, and I know the Funapolas and two laggy at the moment, and they, and then Courtney Laws, but. I don't know. I just see the teams in the Premier in the Champions Cup playing a lot better. Uh, I, think I just probably, think the style of play that yeah. England plays suits Scotland. I oh, think they, yes. can, they can deal with the roots okay. coming, coming down. Yeah. They can deal with with Slady and with Freeman if they go mm. that route. And Dingwell, sorry, I, like, I, I don't, I don't believe this England side play with confidence. Mm. At all, you can see them because you're talking about Northampton in the Premiership, Exeter in the Premiership, Saracens that in, mm. in in the Champions Cup and stuff. These guys play rugby. In Northampton have scored tries for fun, and you know, Dingwall, Freeman, Mitchell, Finn Smith are at the heart of it. When you come into this England side, yes, it's a completely different ball game. Test match rugby is another level up, but they're almost like they're they look like they're playing within themselves. Yeah, but they've won eight of the last nine. I know, yeah, but that's, not, yeah. not playing that way. No, though. I know. That's, yeah, I agree. that's, yeah. that's yeah. the irony yeah. in this. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I am like, if you're England, 
kick the ball. You've got Freddie Stewart who's but one I think of the willing, best I think they're willing receivers. Scotland. They have done Scotland. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay, so this is what I mean. So when it comes down to game plan, I think England kicks the balls. Because I think that, that not our Achilles heel, but if Darcy comes back, small winger, we know he's good under the high ball. You've got Harry Patterson who was wicked Probably. against France. But if you're and then... Blair you, coming back you, you. Will Blair be back, do you reckon? I believe so. Yeah, well, he'll make a, a big difference as well. Like, under the high ball, very good as well. And you've got Duan, who's, who's Duan, who's OK under the high ball. OK, but if you look at England... Confidence player. If, yeah. he, if he gets his first one, he's, he's unstoppable. But you don't have to... It doesn't, like, they, they don't care if you're good or bad under it. Like, mm. like, so South Africa, they wouldn't have said, OK, South African back tree isn't massive, but South Africa are well used to that, but they just said, oh, we're just going to do it anyway. You know mm. what I mean? It limits their it limits their exposure a little yeah. bit and they can squeeze you. And, like, for Scotland, I don't, yeah, I, I think they will go to Scotland and, and play the type of game they played in the World Cup. I think they'll, they'll park this evolution of attack concentrate on the defence and there is opportunities to exploit that like Nina Barr who's now trying to do the same thing with Leinster says it takes 14 games mm. to actually get this in place and Felix Jones is his disciple um, so they'll be you, like, at international level that's two years yeah. 14 games so like a, a team like Scotland who have a very good attack they need to be excited about that but the problem for me is I don't know how many opportunities England will give you because of how they I think they'll play with a, with a real uh, pragmatism uh, contestable kicking try and squeeze you with forwards that's the challenge so you, might, you might have way less opportunities yeah. but you've got to make most of it yeah I think when you play against England and you're talking about the approach that they'll take to Murrayfield they're going to do nothing in their, their half other than kick the leather off it and Scotland don't want to be playing in, no. in their half because that's when that defence of England will, will, will come into play yeah. if you're going to try and force things from your own half you run up your own backside England will take three, they'll take six. They'll go mm. to the malls. You've got to play in the right areas. And, and it could be at times, especially in the first 20 minutes, about feeling each other out and what's what's going to happen. But I think there could be a lot of kicking in mm. this game because Scotland can't afford to be bored uh, and stay in the kicking game. They can't play, overplay in their own half, especially against that defence. Because yeah. mm. they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll get change out of it. It's interesting that we, like Wales and Italy cut them apart ball in hand. Barred a, barred a couple of like early cross field kicks, which in fairness England dealt with yeah. pretty well because they do set up narrow. The the probably exposure and what Finn will be looking at and Gregor will be looking at is, the, is the short kicks, the chips, yeah. the little grubber kicks through in that in that space in between the backfield, and that could be a, a game changer because you got to like they, they're definitely they won't have confidence because they got spit open for uh, for two two really bad tries, but they. They, they certainly haven't been exposed in that other area of kicking no. as well yet and I think Scotland have the tools to do that and that's why the plan B like we showed against France that that plan B if that's what it was with the kicking mm. game didn't work but if you're going to go up against England who we know can operate in that boring kicking style yeah. that wins games and nearly beats South Africa I think it, if, you, if you look at the, the little attacking kicking game you've seen it in around the, the kind of two 10 metre areas because if you any anything in your half, your back three will, will be or your whoever's in the backfield, they'll be sitting a little bit deeper because of the fifty twenty two law. And if England are going to bring that much line speed all the time, you know, you talk about your front line going forward and your and your backfield staying where it is, the space just gets bigger and bigger in behind there. And you've got to try and, you know, maximise that. Little attacking kicks, chip kicks, little grubbers through. That one, you can get opportunities from it, mm. but second they'll change what England's approach. Yeah. Are they going to bring that line speed all the time if you're going to be you know, creating opportunities with your kicks. So again, it's like, you know, as long as Scotland play to their strengths, 
And that's what I believe we, we have to do. We can't go and say, like, well, this is the way we'll beat England. You've got to maximise what you've got. Mm. And you might only get two or three opportunities. You've got to nail them. Because yeah. that's the difference in Test match rugby especially. But if there's ever a player that's got one of the best attacking kicking games, it's Finn. And you look at you know the, the energy that Sione and, and Hugh Jones bring um, in terms of how much they want to get involved. They'll be the ones, they'll be the eyes and ears for, for Finn. Um, and we've got to make sure we nail it. That pass against England, were you in there that game? Was it was it the 38, 38 or not? I can't no, remember which one, one it the was. One, the one at Murrayfield. The one at Murrayfield where yeah. Finn's done the overs pass. Yeah, did you see me in the backfield though? Yeah, that's what, yeah. I've, I've, I've gone out the back of it um, and started running back towards Mon trialing, thinking somebody's going to, I thought it was like JJ was going to pluck it out of thin mm. air. So I've ended up running backwards. You told like, me you said, yeah, I thought it was going to be intercepted. Did you, you remember, remember, yeah, remember That's yeah. the best left, pass left I have ever pass, seen. Yeah. So when that went Beautiful. through, is that the best pass you've ever seen in rugby? Um, I'll definitely be up there, yeah. Just honestly, it was just. How he's had the bollocks for... to do that in the grand scheme of the game. So that wasn't the, it wasn't the COVID one, obviously. No, that was, that, that was 2018. That's 2018. Yeah. Uh, Left hand pass, mate. On, on the money. Hugh Jones makes a break and then. You know, a couple of phases later, Sean Maitland scores in the bottom left-hand corner. Another little creative pass. He gets him. nothing for it. Like when they talk about that try, Sean Maitland's never spoken about. It's the pass. It's the pass bit. Unbelievable. The pass the break so when you say left hand, is that like Finn's weaker hand or not, or is it just like everybody's, left hand? Everybody's right hand dominant, really, mm. aren't they? So not left, Finn Russell. Not but Finn. Finn works on it. Like I've seen him all the time. He always you give him stick about. He never does anything in the gym. He's always got the heavy rugby ball. You know, nailing his passes all the time, and that's honestly, he's got the creative passes, the ability to stick it on the money. Um, he's one of the best distribu- distributors of modern rugby. This is the thing around Finn, and I've spoken about it loads. Not only is he one of the best attacking players, he's a phenomenal defender, tackler. Yeah. He's very he brave. Bangs, boys. He, he bangs, boys. Bangs, so he he chops. The, actually, he's the one who makes a tackle for the, the Bia Barry try. He comes all the yeah. way across mm. and smashes the eight. But just unfortunately, he, he, he he's given up so much ground. Now he's very brave. Yeah. Very brave. Yeah, he's phenomenal. He sticks his head in the spokes. And he, he puts his head in the a, spokes. He's a big bopper. Like, he does. Yeah. Do we make any changes for Scotland? Does Blair come straight in? Like, I didn't realise Harry Patterson. Has he played eight pro games or something? Mm. Not, he's not played a lot. And he literally found out in the morning that he was planned. I thought he played incredible. Well, that's one of them, Hoggy, where you'll know in, the, in this position, but Bernard coaching, playing, you get some players that can just step up, yeah, right? Yeah. And that isn't a fluke. He's not just stepped up and it's like a fluke performance. He's obviously a player where his basic skill set, which you need for test match rugby, is there. I, I didn't realise he was that yeah, good. Yeah, near did I. Like, I've watched him a, f- a few times and I've heard you know snippets that he's, that he's got the ability. But for me, like you, you look at, yes, he took his high balls. He was he was involved for Ben White's try with offload coming at the line. But for me, I was really really impressed by his backfield coverage. You know, very rarely did France find turf or space in any way, and that's a massive massive thing. The confidence of Gregor to stick him straight in from not being involved in the twenty three straight into start, I loved it mm. because you could have quite easily put Cam Redpath in the midfield, um, put Hugh Jones back to fullback who's played there you know, a fair amount and then potentially put Harry on the bench I love the confidence for Gregor just to go bang you're in so he's obviously been playing well and he's been training well but Gregor's openly said that and he had an absolute stormer Yeah, an absolute stormer do we make I, any changes then or no, not I don't do you think Blake so. doesn't come straight well, back in if he's fit Darcy I think potentially one of them will, will, will play um, I think it'll be tough to to take Harry out 
after after that performance, as as good as Blair is. Mm. Um, but again, we're we're in a decent enough place that we're, you know, you're, you're potentially saying that Blair's not going to play or a Darcy's not mm. going to play. We're not in a bad place. I think up front we've got to stay the same. I think the, we touched on it earlier. The the balance between the back row for me was was brilliant. They're going we're going to need them. We're going to need them. These guys to carry ball and get us on the front foot. Um, Potentially one or two changes, but I can't see it being being any more. We want consistency and stability within the squad. We can't be, you know, rotating all the time because mm. these boys, you know, the long, the more and more you play together, the combinations get more settled. You believe in each other a little bit more. That I don't feel that we need to make a number of changes. Mm. Again, uh, some things, you know, some boys will go back and play club this week. Um, you know, get a little bit of game time. Uh, for me. My only my only slight concern was the fact we always talk about it being a twenty three man game. We didn't maximise our bench, did we? We didn't bring fresh legs on enough. Um, so for me, is that because boys are playing well, or is there not a huge amount of confidence in the bench making an impact? I don't know. Like these are questions that only Gregor can answer. But you know, for me, Ali Price hasn't been involved. He'll go back and play for Edinburgh this week. You know, George Horn didn't come on at the weekend. I'm surprised he didn't come on. The, the, yeah. These these are things that you know. If buts and maybes, but George Horn is a little buzz bomb. Could he have changed the game a little bit? Nothing, not taking anything away from Ben White at yeah, all, because sure. I thought he was brilliant. Mm. But you talk about it being a twenty-three man game. You gotta, you gotta use these guys. Yeah, how good was Rory Dodge? Have I? You've heard me speak about him yeah. before in the back row. Fucking wicked. Came from nowhere though. But you know, even Cocker, his carrying. Yeah, mate. Cocker's never gave him a chance I, at Edinburgh. He yeah. comes to Glasgow, and like, even when I was at Glasgow, he wasn't playing. Mm. And now he's 23-year-old captain in the Scotland side, mate. He's an unbelievable talent. Yeah, Hamish Watson will hate this. I had him on the show. He's like a young Hamish. That's what he's like. Yeah. The way that he carries around well, the breakdown, yeah, they look the same. That one that Gregor's picking him ahead of ahead of Hamish mm. because you know the qualities that Hamish you know has. We're not in a bad place, mate. We're, no, we're, we're never, so good. We've never had this. Yeah, we've, we've never had got a transfer on the pitch. We got to win, though. Yeah, we got to win. What about Wales, Bernard? Yeah. I've been very impressed. So, just give my opinion on looking at Wales. I'll never say anything bad about Wales under Warren Gatland. As much as the demise, and we see it this week with everything that's happening with Ospreys and their relationship with Neath, it's just chaos at the club level and you were at the, the Dragons for a few years as well so you kind of could see it coming mm. but when they put that red jersey on they turn into superheroes <laughs> and I know we're like judging it based on the second half of yeah, Scotland yeah. and we're judging it against um, England at the weekend but their carrying ability their physicality like to the to the core they fucking love playing for their country mm. don't they to the core I think I think their two performances have been unbelievably brave. Mm. Really, when you look at everything that's happened, apparently, apparently Gatlin's actually revitalised. It's like it's like he's energised by his chance to build another team. And to be honest, if he builds this team into contenders, it's it's his greatest. Like, in fairness, the last couple of generations that he built, like they had the likes of Dan Bigger, Toby Falatau, the Ken Owens, um, Alan Wynne Jones, yeah, John David. Like they had, I suppose, legacy players. Uh, whereas when you look at this group. They're gonna to have to. He's gonna to have to turn them in. And look, he's gonna to have to turn players who maybe aren't 
as decorated as those into what will become legacy players over the next five or six years. And Wainwright, for example, like he's always loved Wainwright. He picked Wainwright he did. when he wasn't um he, he wasn't even no one knew him. Drink. Nowhere. No one knew him. And, and he, he was brilliant for him then obviously when, when Pivak came in, he wasn't part of the furniture, but now he's back. He was outstanding against Scotland. Albeit he looks like Jeffrey Dahmer, that's the only thing. <laughs> he does, does it, is it just me? <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He does he, he yeah, He's that. gonna regret looking, <laughs> looking like that. I, I, if I saw him I'd be like, mate, there's a joke surely you must get <laughs> yeah. off the lads. But he I'm a massive Wainwright fan. Yeah. Their back row. I mean, Tommy Rafael. Yeah, unbelievable. He's unbelievable. But he's, he's good with the ball as well. Like he's not just a jackler. Well, but like, like yeah. you know, in the modern game, where everybody's so good at the breakdown, like everyone knows the shape, to, to actually have the influence he's having as a jackler is, mm. is phenomenal. He's you know, like freak. let's be honest, like he's a freak. not you, hobby, but when we played, like there would be a rook where there's no one there straight away you know what I mean? whereas now like he's actually getting in there you could park uh, you could park up a bit there um, so he's he's top end like they don't like I think they're doing way better than they should to be honest yeah. in terms of the regional rugby the under 20s over the last couple of years the but chaos something must be going right then because if their players are coming through and yeah. you're producing them players at that age yeah. something is going right so with all the negativity something clearly yeah is all right there because of the players that you've got coming through. And these are Welsh lads, right? That's they're not, good. They're, they're not like Body. South African, yeah. Welsh or Fijian, Welsh or what we like to see, like crossovers, which yeah. I don't mind seeing. Like, whatever it means, they're Welsh, Welsh. Sure. You know, like, so something's going wrong. Yeah, and they believe in him. They Like, they do because is, of... Is it Gatland? Yeah. I think, or I think he has, as a father figure, as, as the head of the organisation, maybe as well, like I used to find when I was there that because the regions were so poor and so poorly funded, that went into Welsh camp, it was like Under Armour kit, like Principality Stadium, you know, a decent hotel, you know, no, but like, yeah. <laughs> letter seats in the bus, like, like <laughs> no, but it, like it was really five star, right, compared to what they were getting in the, in the re- and then obviously they're used to winning, that jerseys are so important to them. He has a bit of a, an aura of having led them to success, um, and they do. And I think you know the bare mid or the the maximum he's going to get out of that team was a quarter final. They got it, and now he's rebuilding mm-hmm. um, to a certain extent. And has to rebuild because obviously the, there's problems financially. But uh, yeah, I, I, that's and I, I look at you know Scotland go and put the the foot in the throat, and you know it, it's chaos and, and, and does he survive and all that kind of stuff but I think now he'd actually if you take the two games they're in a decent place two bonus points um, like to win it uh, Rio Dyer um, coming through some more youngsters obviously new captain like yeah, you, know, who, who, as well. you know so like and also for 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 like the captaincy he obviously gave it to Warburton when he was 23 but to pick a 21 year old and for that 21 year old again not to have the experience that Warburton had alongside mm. him. Like, it's a big ass, but seems to be revelant. Yeah. yeah, with these lads in Wales, am I right in saying they come from a more working class background? Yeah, 100%. That, it is, because that's a big shift in rugby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so, to, like in England, everyone talks about private schools. In Scotland, it's obviously yeah. the same. In Ireland, it's yeah, the same because yeah. they're in the system early. Like, these right. are coming, these are walking a different fucking path. Yeah, Valley Boys. To the principality, Valley eh? Valley Boys, you know. And, Valley uh, Boys. Yeah, and Tribal tattoos. Yeah, and they love Maori her, tattoos. No, they, like, th- to be honest, uh, I think Gatlin isn't massive into detail. You know what I mean? He's not a very structured coach. It's more about the vibe. It's more about pride. It's a little bit old, kind of old-fashioned, which is still really important. It works. But, but he just gets them really fit, gives them a simple game plan. Um, and, you know, historically under Sean Edwards... Gatlin's team was kind of defence based 
Whereas now I think obviously I don't think they can defend as well, and obviously don't have Sean. Wherever they're trying to move on now, just play fast, play fast, and it it suits them. There's such beauty in that in that simple game plan. Maybe Gats is a man from my own heart, hype man. Bring him in, luxury, five star leather seats, yeah. new kit, lovely, new wheels, lovely hotel, decent food. You know they're eating salmon. They you know, they're eating salmon. They want. Normally, have, they normally have fish fingers. They're eating beans. fish fingers and beans, and now they've got green beans with yeah. with salmon and the simple game. I, thought, I love that. I absolutely love it's, that. It's, that is the way to go. Just to give you a story about Gatland, which for me epitomises his kind of gut feeling, right? So the the year before the World Cup in Japan, where they got to the semi final and actually could have won the semi final, they, they ran South Africa close. If you remember, um, and South Africa obviously won it, but they were they'd won Six Nations game to go against France in the Principality, and I think if they if they won it, they finished second. If they lost, they finished fifth, right? It could have been third, sixth, I'm not sure. But it was something like that. And the difference in prize money was, I think, 1.5 million. Right? So for WRU, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, apparently they trained really hard. They kind of, during the November, they actually treated like a preseason right? and, and got three wins, which was really unusual for them. And they trained really hard during the Six Nations. And when they came in on Monday morning, or maybe Monday afternoon, Gatland kind of felt they were just knackered. They were just done, whatever, right? So basically, he called the coaches together and he said, look, I'm going to send them home, whatever, I'm going to send them home. So basically, he said, look at lads, go home. We'll meet back up Thursday night, okay? So obviously, so uh, you know, uh, and came in Thursday night, he picked a team, they did a captain's run, and they played shite on the Saturday against France, but they won, right? So it didn't become a big issue. But um, he was he was saying, like, if, he, if they had lost that match and the WRU heard what he'd done, he could have been effectively, you know, pulled over the cold saying... Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're paid to prepare a team and to prepare a team for a test match. You train Monday, you train Tuesday, Wednesday off. You know what I mean? You have your meetings. Mm-hmm. And, and he basically said, look, at those players know that if, if I feel they've had enough, I'd actually reward them or give them time off. Mm-hmm. But when I go to go into camp for the World Cup for Japan... Like they know that, you know what I mean. So I'll put, I can push even, even, even harder to get them to the best possible condition. But they don't think I'm just this old school kind of slave driver, you know what I mean. And uh, I just thought it was an, like I've never heard an international coach or a, an international coach kind of take that gamble and put that pressure on himself, kind of to to show the team that he actually kind of has a feel for where they're at. Mm. And it wasn't based on data or, or GPS or well-being reports. It was literally just the lads. Now, they might have yeah. been out in Cardiff on the, on the Saturday night or whatever. I think, it was, I think it was back-to-back home games. But he just took that responsibility on himself. Well, it's the trust, isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 I love that because we went on the... You probably have a load of stories about him. But. The, the Lions 2 and 13. Yeah. So we win the first test. Australia win the second test. So you're going in the last week all or nothing. We had three days in the piss in Nusa. <laughs> and I'm going... Bloody hell! Like, it, was this planned because we thought we were going to win the second test and <laughs> and and you know, chuck a donkey side out for the third test or what was it? It was three days in the piss and Nusa. never touched the rugby ball. I was like, what the bloody hell's going on here? Mm. But he's massive in terms of, and I said it yesterday, he's massive on getting the best person. So if you get the best person, you get the best rugby player, mm. and that's all he cares about. He's a massive, massive family man and make sure the boys are in the best frame of mind to then go out and knock lumps at each other on, on a training field or, you know, in the games. But the bit, the thing that I picked up on before the Six Nations about Gats was the fact that he said not to expect too much from this Welsh side. So straight away he's taking the pressure mm. off them by saying just go out there and play, lads. The young side, you know, gain some valuable experience, make sure we're, we're performing because they are capable of winning. You know, they've got a lot of young talent there that's some quality. 
But the fact he says not to expect too much from Eagles, well, actually, boys, let's no hold anything back here. Let's just chuck everything mm. there and, you know, almost exceed expectations of us and be better than what we're actually showing. But you'll build this side up to give it a couple of years. I think they'll be very, very good. See, it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Because you talk about cycles and as long as Wales, and it's maybe even a big ass, beat Italy. Where's that game? Do we know? Wales. In Italy. Uh, I think it's in Cardiff. You say Cardiff. Cardiff. You say Cardiff. 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 Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So as long as they beat Italy, yeah. then if they don't win another game, and we'll get on to the game against Ireland now, it's a positive outcome for yeah. Wales. And the fact that you're saying now that in two years' time that Wales are going to be decent, it shows that actually that all the chaos going on in the club game, and I've seen enough now. Yeah, like that team yeah. against Scotland in the second half, having gone through what they went through, regardless of no killer instinct from Scotland, but what they managed to put together, that game against England at Twickenham, where England were fucking desperate to put Wales to the sword and do something, and the physicality, what they've shown, this, you say the spine of the team, the back row, you got Jack Morgan to come back in, the fact that George North's playing so well at thirteen, they've got Tomkins at twelve, you know, does that Gareth Anscombe come back? But you've got Josh Adams, you've got. Uh, Rio Dyer on the left wing as well. You've got youngsters coming through. Like, this is the thing that worries me. We're not going to talk any more about Scotland, but I look at the profile of that Welsh team and you're talking about it going in waves and yes, Ireland going to be dominant for the next few years going off in front, but like Wales, they'll be back. It's crazy. Do Ireland have a chance? Sorry, yeah. do Wales have a chance? Do Ireland have a chance? Ireland have a chance. <laughs> now we've just talked to them. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think... I think... I, I, like. I, I think it would be big ass for Wales to beat Ireland if, unless we underperform. Like uh, this team are very consistent. I know lost in the World Cup, but in the World Cup up to the New Zealand game, we were good. Beat South Africa, people forget. Yeah, um, was it nineteen or twenty games on, on a run? So they're consistent. Mm. They look like they've kind of bounced back from that defeat and and look even better against two teams who weren't good. But yeah, I, I think our, I think it'd be a big ass for Wales to come to Dublin and beat Ireland at the moment. But mm. for sure, they're on the right track. Yeah. Ireland one yeah, comfortably I, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think that they're just ruthless in everything that they're doing Ireland at the minute and you know, I, you know having that home advantage you know Wales are a young side going across there a large majority of the boys might not have played in in Dublin I think with that killer instinct that they possess um, yeah I think it'll be a convincing win for yeah them. I think Ireland I don't think the Welsh lads have experienced the chaos yeah. On the gain line, yeah, yeah. the fight for the gain line, the physicality, the speed, and that's everyone you speak to when I, they play against Ireland and Leinster. It's the speed in which yeah. they play it. I think we'll see where Wales are at yeah. after this game, sure. Because you know, against Scotland, they, they had decent periods of the game. The second half was outstanding. The first half against England was very, very good. But you look at a complete package and, and the best sides in being Ireland. This will be a real, real test for them, and we'll see exactly where they're at. Yeah, so we're all saying Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Right, Bernard, mate, you yeah. talked England up. Are they beating Scotland at Murrayfield? No. Why are you closing your eyes? Why, why are you pausing? <laughs> I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the wrong company here. Uh, no, I, I think Scotland will win, but I, I Hand on heart? Yeah, I do, I do. Okay. But I, yeah, but I, the way you were starting to start it, I was like, it was like, is, does England have any chance? They have a very good chance, I think. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, I think Scotland have to start getting to the place where if someone's looking vulnerable, you just say I don't have a chance against Scotland, but at the moment I'll be honest, and maybe it's because I've seen I've seen him live twice this year. Is I don't have that conviction that they could, that they're just going to blow them away. I, I, think, I think they, they can. You, I think you're like a lot of people. That's yeah. not you know. Yeah. I think they can, have, but mm. I, I'd love to see them 
get that scalp and then build on it. And then, then you know, cause I, I do think they're a good team to watch. I think they've loads of potential. It's just at the moment, I, I, I wouldn't back, like I wouldn't say hand and heart, Italy going to Murrayfield would definitely get smashed. Do you mm. know what I mean? Just at the moment, that's just my yeah. hang up. When I say smashed, uh, no, but that are really going to go out and just blow them away. A comfortable win. Yeah. I, I, depending on the weather, and I know that's an obvious yeah. thing to say, and the style of play, but I just look at where Scotland have been these last two games. Aside from the World Cup, the two hardest teams to play, world champions, world number one. But how they played in the game against Tonga, Romania, first half against Wales, first half against France, we're due a complete performance. We need it. We need we it. We need it. To, be, to beat the best teams, you've got to play for 80 minutes. And Scotland haven't done that in a long, long time. So I would love to see a complete 80-minute performance, easier said than done, big time. But if we get everything right, we'll win the game. I, I know it. And then hopefully that will then build us on towards... You know the next couple of games after that, but we can't be in a situation to play well for 45, 50, 60 minutes. You've got to have 80 minutes because England have the experience and the capabilities to punish you, and you've got to have that full package. You know, forward dominance, playing in the right areas, controlling the tempo of, of how we want to try and play. Um, set piece is massive for for Scotland. Make sure we're going forward, but we've got to get 80 minutes of it. Get get 80 minutes, we win. Full house, Scotland. Do Italy do a job over France? Mm, yeah, Ooh. I don't. I, I'm, I'm not sure about France. I'm not sure about France. I'm not sure about I France think either. There's issues there. Um, like where? What do you think it is? Do you think just, the World Cup has completely fucked yeah. them? Galtier, new staff. Um, what do you mean, Galtier? Well, Galtier, you know, like Galtier's a very difficult person. Right? Yeah, right? He he's like incredibly difficult. I man. can tell you that. And um, international rugby. International rugby. Nightmare. International rugby suits him because it's literally short blocks. Yeah. And uh, also, he was working with Antoine Dupont, you know, fellas who could do things that. No one Fabi- else can do. No one else can do. Fabian could do as a player himself. Okay, he, so he, he, could, he could see things that he couldn't. He can <laughs> yeah. understand how. Average rugby players can't see the things that he saw, but obviously with Dupont and and uh, um, and uh, the players he had at, when they were going well, well Intermac as well, Intermac, yeah, and, and Penno and all that stuff. Yeah. But they were building towards a World Cup, World Cup, World Cup, and then it just bang. And they performed it like they played an amazing quarter final. But like if you look at the players playing for Bordeaux or playing for Toulouse, they bounced back pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, they did. And then they went to French camp, and they just came out against in Marseille, which again should have been like. You know, I actually thought it was a really positive. I, I fancied France for the match, but because I thought Marseille would have been a good break for them from being at Paris. You know what I mean? Being mm. down south and a, a chance to play against Ireland, so they would have been ready for it. And they just f- flattered to deceive. And you know, he had a very so Bernard Laporte put together that staff. Right, so for the, Bernard Laporte, obviously a controversial figure, but he basically knew Fabian's brilliance, but also his potential weaknesses so he put even as as a manager to deal with the press to to deal with the clubs to deal with the players uh, because I don't think Fabian's that subtle around giving feedback you know what I mean and uh, our, our criticism so Fabian even as was there to be the softer touch he had Lauren Labitte who's a very experienced uh, attack coach obviously coached in uh, cast and Racing knows the game knows the players well liked um he had uh, Kareem Gazal doing a fo- doing the line out again, a likable sort of fella, um, and they're gone now. They've gone to two lads, Le- Gazal and Labitte are gone to Stade, Stade Francais. Even as his role has changed a bit, and and the relationship between Fabian Galtier and the press in France is absolutely 
like toxic. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's blown up. They they called him out for basically under, not winning the World Cup, and he obviously didn't take it well. Mm. So it's really there's a big tension there, and by all accounts, there's tension with some of the players as well. So yeah, I, I think. Unless uh, if if Scotland had a one, I would thought maybe Fabian would walk. Like he's that kind of personality. Uh, yeah, he might have to be sacked. He could just walk. You know what I mean? Latina. <laughs> <Let's go laughs> well, you think with Fabian, he got so sacked fresh. from Montpellier. Yeah. He got sacked from Toulon. Yeah. He's sitting on a, a lot of money. Load of cash. And he's also very commercially like he'll be doing ads for Leclerc. You know, mm. he's he's the he's, he's a very recognisable brand in uh, in France. So yeah, I'm not sure the vibe is as positive there. Well, you can see it's not positive. Yeah, and, and, and if, if if it isn't. Mm. And maybe that win against Scotland will just give them a bit of relief. But yeah, on ta- talent wise, France like are, are as good as Ireland. But, but they need to be emotionally yeah, engaged, and they've yeah. got they've got to love their coach and feel yeah. it, right? Yeah. And so they, I, they don't. It's it's clear to see at the minute. Yeah. There's yeah. something there's something going on. There's a divide of some sort because there's just no floor. It, it seems like a huge like lack the World of Cup energy. Hockey. Yeah. The world, I think the World Cup has emotionally sucked has sucked the life out of yeah. them because uh, we were there. Like we yeah. were obviously all there, yeah. and you saw it. The, the build-up, like with France as a country, everything that they're going through in the World Cup almost united the country. And then that quarter-final, it divided the country again. It just felt like the wheels fell off on everything. Think, and, did you ever lose a home game in Montpellier? Yes. Yeah. Well, like it's a it's a huge thing. Like, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like you're not the same man you were on the on the on the on the Friday on the Monday. You know, what I mean, it's just well, under Fabian as well. Yeah, under and Fabian, that, like, and that's where yeah. my, my view of him is. How is he there? Like, I, <laughs> I, I understand why he is yeah. there, but but the coaching techniques, having worked with some of the best in the business, yeah. and been at Saracens and looking at the processes and the game plan, the island kind of model, if you like, in terms of the amount of work and strategy that goes into the game to been at Montpellier where he was on a fortune and they tried to put this team together of kind of superstars and French players as well and it was just winging it I just I just couldn't believe how as a club they were like well what are we going to do here well it was just play 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 wide 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 after four games we got hauled into the um the meeting room and they were scribbling kind of permutations of how the season might unfold with Mario Ledesma rubbing the name out of like Montpellier being first and it was broken like I could have not even broken French, I couldn't even speak French, but I could see it unfold. And next thing, he's put Montpellier like second from bottom to get relegated. Then he rubs it out, and then puts another team in there, and then puts us in the top four. <laughs> like, what the fuck? We just, four games have gone. We've won two, lost one, and drawn one. Yeah. And next thing, we like it's, it's, it's madness. And then table gets flung up. There's a cereal everywhere. He's telling Shantaine Happy that he's fucking soft because he keeps getting knocked out. Yeah. Mental. Like Rennie Rangers sitting at the back of the meeting with a cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> my, my point was, you know, it's like to lose a home game. Imagine losing a home World Cup. Like that's, and, and imagine yes. how Fabian would take that on on his shoulders. I don't think it'd be blame. He'd blame, it? yeah, blame. It'd be blame. But just uh, his man management. So he he had a player. I won't mention his name, but uh, he wasn't up to Fabian's standard, right? So uh, Fabian in the dressing room one day said. You're you're, you're 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 fucking shit, right? You're the worst player I've ever seen. You're par bomb. You know I mean? But he goes, "It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's my fault. I signed you. <laughs> that's, I signed you. <laughs> that's, no, you're, that's you're, you're just average. But it's, it's, me. it's on me. Yeah, Mind <laughs> games. Yeah, just, it's not your fault. You're ugly. All right, that's on me. That's me. It's not you. That's even worse. I know. But that shows you the manipulation of the man. Crazy. Yeah. I saw it at the weekend. I didn't know whether he was going to call me out. I saw Sean Edwards after the, the game. What a legend he was. But I wonder where he goes. You know, does Sean maybe step up? But yeah, I mean, Italy, you think they've got a little bit of history against France, but yeah. they're a team. I know people hate me saying, I think they're a team on the upward trajectory and France 
without Dupont just shows you how special, right? It's uh, it's crazy. Go on then. So you're saying Italy, aren't you? That's a big call, Bernard. You said. Yeah, I think Italy can win. Cannot or will? Will win. No. Yeah, I'd say I'd say will win. I'm going with Italy yeah. as well. And that I had um, Ireland beating France. I had France at first. Okay. Then I saw the game was in Marseille, and I heard there was a few cracks, and then I changed it to to Ireland beating them down there in Marseille. The fact that they're moving different stadiums, I understand why they're doing it. Try and grow the game in France, even though it's massive. But I, I, again, you've got to think I'm the hype man, very superficial. Yeah, yeah. But Bernard <laughs> Jackman's one of the best in the business. I'm worried. So. I'm worried about France's mentality. That's why I think Italy. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see Italy win, but I think France might just turn the corner a little bit after that that victory in Murrayfield. They're one of the best sides in world rugby. We want to see them back to being at their best, and I think a good win against Italy give them that confidence to to then kick on again. For the sake of the Six Nations, we need this lot to be flying. Don't we? Yeah, we do. They're an unbelievable. No, we side. need Italy to get a win. Yeah, I would love to see that. I'd, I'd be really, really happy with that badge. I can't see it. I think France quite convincingly. All right, we'll wrap up soon. Me and Hoggy, we're into our ice baths and saunas. Bernard, yeah. do you want to come up to Scotland before you go out? Jump in. <laughs> no, I'm you okay. into it? It's cold enough in Ireland. <laughs> I don't need to go to Scotland to get free freeze my balls up. Yeah, Hoggy, big shout out to the ice bath company. We're not yeah, sponsored by them no, at all. It's, I've had them for the. A couple of years now, and I absolutely love it. So when Hoggy's been out in the smash, straight in the sauna. Straight in the sauna. Get Have you got, did you get an ice bath as well or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got the, I've got the. Do you go in there? Yeah, yeah. So it sets between. You can set between two degrees and forty degrees. I have it sitting around six or seven. Mate, you've not, um, no, that's too. The ice bath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, you've got to you've ten, got to go below four. Ten, ten minutes in the old uh, in the sauna. A couple of minutes in the cold. You know, a few rotations. Do you do hot, hot and cold? Oh yeah. yeah. Takes it takes the ten minutes to to hot up to, to actually heat up in the in the sauna and then mm. you're you're back in but oh mate, it's, it's brilliant you've got to look after the body you, have. You, you you often talk about rugby players when they retire your body's meant to start feeling better I'm eight months in when the fuck's it getting better <laughs> yeah you know what I mean lifestyle's that's what coaches tell you just play this week with an injury because when you're finished you're going to feel up better yeah. I have a nice bad story from the Dragons so we had Gav Henson. And like Gav is, he's actually the ultimate pro. Like he's yeah. used to weigh his, his carbs, his protein, whatever. But uh, well, yes. you say that just a, an ultimate pro. I've never <laughs> seen a man making cakes in a bathroom before. That's all I. Okay, right. but I didn't see that. But uh, he uh, about three weeks in anyway. The SSC coach comes to me and he says, "Oh, we got a problem with Gav. He hasn't turned up for ice baths for the last three weeks, whatever." And he's obviously like he's a role model to a lot of the young young boys and stuff so can you have a word with him so I rang him anyway I said Gav what's the story he goes oh I said you haven't turned up for ice baths and he goes oh you can't have an ice bath down there the chlorine takes away all my tan whatever so he goes but I promise you I'm doing it and he actually had his own ice bath up in his house so never never came across that before on coaching no, yeah or well, Hoggy what about your tan Are you, like, you, we need to clear a few things up here because people like walking down the street will be thinking that you're into the, the tanning stuff, are you or not? Do you want to clear it up? You can say, say no comment if you want. <laughs> Do you know what it was, right? I got fined at the club um, ahead of the Champions Cup final and had to get a spray tan. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. And mm, I, the, promise? Uh, yeah. Was it a roll of dice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had an absolute stormer, so then it became part of my routine. I had to, I had to get a fake tan. But what about now, though? 
oh, I've just um, I've not got the time, mate. You know. Oh, I, th- I thought you were on the so yeah, so, and so that was fake. It wasn't injectable tans. No, it no. wasn't like the ones no, no that no, they no, use. No, no, no. But you know, you gotta feel good, play mm. good. Yeah, and what about the body? Because you are still only 31. Yeah. Is there any chance you can go again? So once everything lines up and I don't know. you're good to go. There, there's, oh, I, go, I don't know. I, oh, I, go, I don't but, know. No, but it's weird, though, because I go through stages of going, like, Saturday was the first time I'd been back at Murrayfield uh, as a fan, and I was like, geez, I actually miss it. I would love to play, but I can't stand the day-to-day stuff. What do you mean you can't stand it? Body or mind or both? Bit of both. When Mm. I say like I retired through, like my body letting me down, it wasn't just my knees. My my head was gone. Like I I completely. But that's the main thing. That's the most important thing. Lost the love of the game big time. Um, I would love to play again, but I think it's like too far gone now. Albeit still in the first season, but like I love my day to day stuff now. Whereas when I was at training, the only thing I miss about the day to day is the changing room. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't miss sitting in meetings for hours on end. I don't miss having to do the rehab all the time. Um, I'm enjoying the freedom of of not being a rugby player. I would, I, but you'll never get that back. I, no, like, I know. You, you, can, get, you can have this life yeah. in three yeah, or four I know. years' time. I, th- there has been times I'm thinking, bloody hell, have I done the right thing? And then, as I said to you, walking down the stairs, mate, I'm shaking like a shitting dog walking down the yeah, stairs. Yeah, but you're not doing your eccentrics. That's yeah, why I'm not doing anything, mate. I'm not doing anything. Um, but I've got this challenge coming up. I'm an ambassador for Doddy Weir Foundation. And I said to Rob Wainwright, he's been at me for a long time to, to get involved in some mad cycles that he, that he continually signs up for. So I said to him, uh, just after the World Cup, after a few beers, I said, the next challenge you're doing, I'll 100% commit to it and I'm in for it. Lo and behold, the cycles from Oban in the west of Scotland to fucking Rome. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going, bloody hell, what have I done? Um, have you trained I, for it? I've loved being out on the bike, mate. Honestly, I've loved it because I'm thinking, right, well, because there's a team element to it, there's eight guys doing it, you know, half an hour stint, you've got to average 18 miles an hour to do it in the four and a half days. I'm like, well, I don't want to be the one that's lagging behind and letting the team down. So I'm like, right, I'm... You know, committing fully to this. I spent an absolute fortune on cycling gear. I look the part. Can't uh, no one looks the part in that for us. Well, I know. I know. It's, but I tell you one thing, mate. I got a pair of um, the old cycling shorts that were a size too small. Mm. And the old camel toe. Mate, I but the nuts were up inside the belly and oh, I was okay. in pain for, for a long time. I couldn't have chipped them back down. But yeah, I went a cycle, um, 30 mile cycle with Rob Wainwright the other week. Mate, he's a man on a mission on that bike. Unbelievable. He was a good, like, half a mile ahead of me at times mm. I'm like mate like, on, on I go but um, I'm really looking forward to it that element of getting out and, and being on the bike and being on my own for a little while uh, getting fit again um, I've loved it and I'm properly buzzing for the cycle I'll probably hang up um, the cycling shorts and all that straight away on the on the Saturday when we get there but uh, I'm looking forward to it like. but 100% retired from rugby um, oh gosh uh, I think I'll play. I don't think I'll play professional. I might have a little run out for Hoyk next season. Mm. Um, see how that goes. But um, I'm really enjoying my, my my new life. Well, I bet you are. It's much easier it's, on this side. The thing is, like, I still get the match day buzz, and like sometimes, like, oh, do you know, the, the build up to a game on like a warm up and stuff. I used to love it, and I've had that forever. We used to watch the Border Reavers play back in the day, mate. And 
my dad was obsessed with watching teams warm up. So we used to be there like first in the crowd all the time, watch teams warm up. And I love that. And you get the buzz building up to it. And then as soon as the whistle goes to kick off, I'm like, thank fuck I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting hit. Like the first collision, you're like, oh God, yes, I've made the right decision. But will I play professionally again? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should have taken a sabbatical. Me and Bernard mm-hmm. can I, sit here as the yeah, elder when, when statesman. Yeah, when I think about it, that, I could have taken a sabbatical. Maybe I could have, but I didn't want to be in the in the, in the position to go, well, I'm going to take this period off and then potentially come back. You needed clarity in your mind. Yeah, I needed to go, like, yeah. nah, I'm, I'm completely out of it. Because you're either all in. All in or all out, yeah. <laughs> all in or all out. Yeah, that's the thing. Like but I, emotionally as well. Yeah, like I, like I couldn't feel sitting now going, well, I'm going to have to continually train to be in a good shape to then come back. I'm going to have to always work on my skills. So do I do that or do I just pull the plug completely? And I thought, well, I don't think there, was, there, there wouldn't be a club in a situation to give me a sabbatical and still pay me money. Mm. Um, could I have gone about it a different way, potentially, but the decision is now that I'm retired and I stand by that. Mm. Physically, mentally, I wasn't there. Um, I, I think if that itch doesn't go, like, be very, give it serious consideration to try and find a way to play again, rather than yeah, yeah. rather than just ignore it and then two years, three years later... Yeah. You're done. You know, yeah. I don't. Like, so I'm not saying, obviously, like the choice, you make your own choice, but if that itch to still play, but, like this time next year or whatever like don't rule it out just because you've made a decision to to stop you know yeah well we were talking about like the injuries like Hoggy had a patella tendon Mm. and they're they're horrible injuries patella tendon you had surgery on yours I was out for nearly a year with mine and that was the Achilles heel Mm. the tendon Uh, it was the tendon and the like that part of it which is you know the one where that low level of pain the constant rehab you need and when you're a speed athlete, Bona's nodding. No, I'm nodding. I've seen him. I've seen him. The thing, the thing is, like, when, when when you're in that much pain, like I was, like it, like I used to mump about it all the time, because I'm I'm an emotional person. That if I'm in a shit mood, you're gonna realise I'm in a shit mood. But the impact it was having on me as a person, and as a dad and a husband, I was like, well, this is this is dreadful, mm. because I was. In constant pain, I was in a shit mood, in a shit place to be. I was like, "Well, no, I'm pulling the plug on this altogether." Do I wish I'd taken a sabbatical and maybe try again? Maybe, but I guess we'll never yeah, know. Jim. The patella tendons. I don't know if you had tendon no. issues or whatever. They've come more to the fore as loading's got more okay. and more power athletes, but nerve endings in the tendon and stuff when they get. I've got a million well. dollars after my after my surgery. So I had four months out, and I was like, well, this is great. I've got a chance to build up my leg again. And when I came back, I was in the best shape I've ever been in. And then after that, I just kept picking up little niggles here and there, and I had a bad heel. Um, my knee was still not great, but it was it was better. But because I was running funny and I was walking funny, it was then having impacts on elsewhere in my body. But, you know, my hip was gone, my left ankle was gone. Then I snapped um, my ligaments against Ireland on my 100th, and after that, I was like, nah. I'm done. Mm. This this is it because if I didn't have that tightrope in from a previous injury, I'd have snapped my leg. And I'm thinking, when when's enough? Enough, you know what I mean? Mm. So tough old sport. You look at Tom Curry's just had yeah, hip surgery, and, and you look at actually they were quite transparent yeah. with what he'd had and the arthritis. When they mentioned arthritis in the hip, I was like, and then you see his interview and he's talking about the rehab he's been doing, taking each day as it comes. You're like, mate, 
I know that Sean O'Brien came, yeah, came back it, yeah. from it. He, yeah. well, did he have a, a replacement? Or he had the same uh, operation that Murray, the tennis player, had. Yes. Yeah. Ollie DeVoto had that yeah. exit as well. Ollie DeVoto had mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's more, more common. He, was, he, was, yeah. he was out for the best part of two years mm. with hip injuries. And I think it was like a full calendar year after the operation. Until he got back yeah. fit, but he's back playing. It's a big old up, isn't it? That yeah. age, you know, like yeah. how do you come back from that sure. properly? I hope he does. Like yeah. fingers crossed, he does. Oh, and what they can do. A couple of years ago, he was the best player in the world. Yeah, he's wicked. Yeah, Bernard, you do any training? You watch your go to. You actually all right? You're fine with the lifestyle. <laughs> you're on the cross trainer. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. No, I don't do any. No. You don't do anything. Uh, no, no. I like, um, no. I stand on the sideline, do a bit of coaching. Yeah, you're all right though. No, it's absolutely right. fine. We'll get you an ice bath and sauna. <laughs> I smash the ice bath. Three degrees though. That's what I go. Have you got it set up? Have you? I've got it. Three degrees, and then the sauna hot. It's the Rogan style, isn't it? You got to make. You know, it's got to be tough sometimes. Mm. I make it tough. Do like you cold shower. I don't hate cold shower. Oh, I, well, I don't even like the, the cold bath. Oh, I have cold showers all the time. There I'm weird that way, yeah. Yeah. Good for the head, that. Borders. Good for the head. Head all right? Head's all right, yeah. Good space? Getting there. Good. Bernard? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Well, that was great, lads. Absolutely loved it. So, we'll do it again. Thank you. Soon. Thank you, Big Jim. Thank you. The Big Jim Show. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.